Oh, we're live. Oh my gosh. Are we live? We're live. Uh, man, busy morning here at Benzinga HQ. Busy morning in the market. AB, what's up? How's your weekend? It was good. Uh, can't complain. Pretty low-key weekend. Pretty low-key? Um, okay. Yeah. Cool. That's cool. I had a cool weekend. How, how was your weekend? Got a haircut. Went to see Stomp. That's pretty much it. Try to, to see Stomp. Yeah. What's that? You know the 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 show where they do the the banging and the the the, the stomping and the banging and the the brooms and was it good? Yeah, it was alright. All right. Yeah, it was alright. It was cool. Um, went try to go for a hike yesterday, but it was just too muddy. So much. It was so nice out. It's dark outside now, but you can't tell. The weather is beautiful yesterday here in Detroit, but uh, market's not so beautiful here today. We're gonna talk about that. We're gonna talk about Bed Bath. Obviously, Aaron, I can tell you about my trade that I made this morning. On Bed Bath? That did not work. Woo! Um, and that we're going to have Matt Hammond. We're going to have Jake Wajastic, Chris Capri. And I think I'm missing a guest. I know I'm missing a guest. Um, Who's our last guest? I know, I know I'm missing someone. Our last guest? Who'd you say? Uh, I said Matt. Oh, I'm, I'm missing our first guest of the day. I knew I was missing someone. We're talking to Craig Earlham. Craig is great, man. Craig Earlham is a senior market analyst for Oanda, and we're going to talk about Forex. The Forex markets are doing some weird shit. Yeah, I mean, so. yeah. You have you have the ruble just continuing to crash. Yeah. So yeah. it'll be interesting to talk to, talk to Craig about that. Um, what else is everyone watching today? So I was watching, or actually, let's go ahead and, uh, roll that intro, Spencer, and then uh, and okay. then we'll get going. Let's do it. Who's rolling the intro? Me? Oh, I mean, someone. Uh, I'm doing. Uh, you're doing it. I'm, I'm doing, doing it. it. This is Ben Zinga Live. Spencer Israel and producer AB. What's up, everybody? How are we doing? I'm someone told me buy high, sell higher. Let's get Matt Hammond on the show. Talk to my peers, Jake Wojcik from Trend Spider. We have a breaking news. All right. What were you going to say about what you're watching? I was watching Lockheed Martin because we're, and I'll pull up the chart here. Uh, I'm watching the intraday chart. It, it looks like we're about to either kind of reject highs and move lower or make new highs and set up for a breakout trade. So that's, that's one stock that I'm watching right now. I mean, it, it, it's, What's strong has been strong, right? Your Lockheed Martins, your Chevrons, your oil, your oil and gas companies. Um, and so I'm on a five-minute chart right now, Spencer, and you can see we've, we may have this double top forming. Although, um, like I said, if we, if we kind of continue to make new highs, then it's setting up for me the other way on a breakout trade. Um, but if you pull this out on a daily, on daily candles, I mean, you can just see how, in my opinion kind of a little too much too fast for Lockheed Martin. And I understand, I mean, who's going to go out there and buy puts on Lockheed Martin in the middle of a war? I understand that. But I do think we're due for a little bit of a drawback here, even if the trend continues and we see Lockheed uh, march up to $500. Well, why Lockheed as opposed to any, any of the other ones out of curiosity? Is that just, that's just the one you picked on? No, uh, I think Lockheed, and we fact check this real quick. I mean, R RTX... Um, Raytheon a, yeah. is, the, is the other RTX, big one. NOC, 
and LHX. Those are, um, those, those so, are your four. So, so here's here's your answer, Spencer. So uh, Raytheon RTX is up ten percent over the last couple weeks. Okay. Lockheed Martin, by comparison, is up almost thirty percent. So Lockheed Martin has just gotten more extended uh, than Wraith- Raytheon has. Okay. What was okay. the other one you mentioned? Uh, LHX, L3 Harris. Um, L3 Harris is up about the same as Lockheed, a little bit less. And then NOC is the last. Did you NOC? That's the last one. NOC. North of Grumman. Which, by the way, I, I, have, I have a. I know someone who works for. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, North I mean, uh, NOC is up about 25% similar to Lockheed. It's, it's interesting to see this. Raytheon just kind of lagging the other yeah. defense stocks. I mean, yeah, Raytheon's only this. gotten this, uh, you know, from like mid February to now, kind of a a 15% gain. I mean, and that's that's actually from January if you if you pick its lows. Um, you know, let's just go to a daily here. Let's put them all together. And let's do it since um, they're all pretty correlated, but since February 24th, because that's when uh, the invasion began, right, I believe. So look at this divergence. And I'm going to put the labels up on the right so you can see it. Wow, look at Raytheon. Look how much it's lagged. That's L- what I'm saying. Yeah. That's what I just noticed. So, so, so does, is, is, is that bullish, though? Does that mean it's due for a catch-up trade? I mean, what, you're going to go buy Raytheon now, and then if, if, if we get good news on the war, you're just down? I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, I think. I don't, I don't know. I think we'll see. Oh, also, speaking of the war, I, I, so I saw this today. Yeah. Um, the, uh, the Kremlin. Yeah, I've heard of it. Has announced its demands for ending the war in Ukraine. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. To, to give it to us. I'm Ukraine, ready. Ukraine, one, yep. must change its constitution and guarantee it won't join any blocs, i.e. NATO, NATO okay. or the European Union. That seems easy enough. I think NATO already said they weren't going to let Ukraine join. Oh, I don't right? know. I don't know. I, don't I, know, know. I know they're joining the EU. Someone fact check that. All, All right. right. Well, NATO, EU, you just can't do that. Okay. Right. Two. Uh Ukraine must recognize Crimea as part of Russia. Which it basically already is anyway. Right. And, and, the, and, the, and the people that live in Crimea voted to be part of Russia. Okay. Um, and then must recognize the eastern separatist regions as independent. So if you're Ukraine. Well, what, what's in this for Ukraine? What's in this for Ukraine? If I'm Zelensky, I'm signing this immediately. Dude. I mean, there's a couple regions on the eastern part of the country that are going to be independent. Uh, you don't join NATO or EU. And Crimea, which is already part of Russia, officially becomes part of Russia. It, it seems, yeah. I mean, Ukraine actually does have a lot of leverage in this situation with uh, how much like backing uh, from European countries from the U.S. Ukraine yeah. has gotten. But at the end of the day, uh, that backing only goes to a certain extent. You've heard uh, Zelensky call for a no-fly zone, um, which we, the U.S., other European countries have already come out and said, we're not going to do that. We're not going to effectively start World War III and shoot down Russian planes for you. Um, so if you're Zelensky and you understand that you do hold some leverage in, in the fact that uh, you have support in the, in the form of weapons and aid being sent to you, you have the support in the form of sanctions being imposed on Russia. But if I'm Zelensky, I got a question 
you know, what happens if Russia ramps up its war efforts and we and we don't have that protection from the U.S., from Europe, that we're not going to implement a no-fly yeah. zone? If I'm, if I'm Zelensky, I'm strongly considering signing this agreement today. Well, they're meeting again on Thursday. They already they met this morning. That's where those, those demands came out. They're going to meet again in Turkey on Thursday. So I guess we'll wait until that happens to – because I, I, I highly doubt – Anything's gonna happen between now and then. Maybe I'm wrong. So like, best, I hope I hope I'm wrong. Best I hope, case scenario. Yeah. Uh, who knows? Maybe Zelensky shoots back some counter, uh, you know, a counter offer where he's like, you know, okay, we won't join NATO, but we'll still join EU. You can have Crimea, and we'll recognize this independent region at, or this separatist region as independent. Whatever. Best case scenario that happens. In between now and Thursday, Thursday, deal signed, finalized, conflict over. I'm not really bullish on that happening. Can, can, I, can, hope. can I show you what happened when the news broke this morning that they were going to meet today? Sure. Okay. This is the spy. Okay. So one one yeah, minute this chart. The this 500. is a one minute chart. Of the Don't spy. tell me that big red candle down was when they were going to meet. No, this is not real. This is not a real print. This, uh, is, okay. this is at 830. That's not real. No. The news broke here. Uh, actually, I think it was like it was like here. It was like right here. It was six forty-five a.m. Eastern time this morning. Right where my mouse is, right there. Wait, why am I seeing my mouse doing weird things? On. So wait, that's is that weird. is that big leg up from like six a.m. On? on my mouse is doing some weird. Oh, it's because it's delayed. That's why. Duh. Um, this big leg up. That this is the response when that news broke that they're meeting this morning, that they're going to meet at 9 a.m. Eastern time. So we basically reversed on that headline. Every single stock that was down this morning, which was basically all of them, reversed. Technology, the banks, industrials, everything. Now, we've since reversed again. We're obviously down from the open, but for the, the from 6.45 to 9.30, it was basically straight up. All morning, because the two sides are going to go to the, go to the table and negotiate, um, and that's, I mean, that's where we are. We're, we're just in a market that just relies on the next headline, the next thing. Let's go to a fifteen minute chart. You can just see it's been it's been it's been a story of three markets already. We opened set to open way lower, rip higher, now straight down, testing low of the day. What's the pre market low in the spy today? The pre-market low is uh, 423.54, so we're 60 cents off that right now. Yeah, hasn't been a great day so far. Wait, uh, this can't be real. Is this real? What? Zoom's stock is back down to where it was before COVID. That's insane. That, I mean, to have a business grow that much in a two-year span and your stock price hasn't moved enough. I mean, it's moved obviously, but so effectively. So they've come full you, circle. If you, if you, as the pandemic was breaking out, said, "Okay, we're gonna we're gonna move work rem- more virtually." Uh, this no, is- it's not quite. It's not quite back to where it was before COVID. It, I don't know. Look at fe- look at the February. I'm looking at. Well, yeah, but like April, April of that, that was during COVID. That was during COVID. Yeah, right. So, so that was after. Yeah. The, I'm saying, okay, March sixth, 2020. March sixth, the stock was trading at 114 dollars a share. Yeah, all right. I'm saying yeah. you said, yeah. 
oh, this is going to be a good stock. You were so right. It went up 400%. And if you held on, you're you're right, but it, it you're, you you don't have any gains to speak for it. I mean, that's insane. Yeah. That is insane to me. Yeah. Pretty wild stuff. Um, we got to talk about Bed Bath, okay? Oh, also, before we get to Bed Bath, can yep. we I cuz I saw this earlier going across CNBC, they were talking and this will be a good transition into Bed Bath cuz we're talking about retail. Okay. Uh they they were they had a headline up about Kohl's that I guess Kohl's is reinventing their whole deal Coles is reinventing the wheel you could say that's what it, they said whoa whoa down eight percent today what the heck i mean to me this was kind of like a wait a minute a wait facebook a minute. metaverse you know it's like they're trying to pivot you know it's like they're struggling so bad all right oh they're oh wait is there they have an investor day today right Ah, it helps to know when inv- companies have their investor day. We have all the headlines in Benzinga Pro. I didn't see it till just now. They gave long-term sales growth guidance in the low single-digit range, EPS growth in the mid to high single-digit range. Um, talked about growing their Sephora unit, uh, which is the 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 what the jewelry right makeup um, makeup sorry same thing tomato nope, tomato not the same thing okay uh, expects to open a hundred new sh- uh, stores in the next four years and you're going to open smaller stores that's interesting so I was in Kohl's not this past weekend but the weekend before that for the first time since before COVID um, and it was it was empty not that that says anything because I I you know one. Saturday afternoon does not mean anything in the grand scheme of things, and it's just one store. But man, was it a ghost town! There, and I know that like Coles has really like doubled down on the whole Amazon return thing. Yet you can return your crap that you bought on Amazon. You can return it to Coles, and Coles will return it to Amazon for you. Maybe that's the future. It is just every big box retail store being an Amazon hub in in its own way. Well, that's what I'm curious about because I actually. I've never done this before in my life. If I order something online, yep. and uh, especially off Amazon, and it, it doesn't fit or is broken and doesn't, I just eat the loss. I mean, I'm not going to <laughs> go through. Well, I mean, to, to a degree, right? Like if it's Wait, a, if I, You don't return stuff if you don't like it? If I order, it's just like, a hassle. If I order like a t-shirt, like I'm saying there's, there's obviously a level. Oh, if I, if I, which I, I don't think I've ever even ordered anything like that expensive online, but yeah. if I ordered, say, like a $200 jacket and it yeah. came in and didn't fit, I, I would return that. Okay. I would go through. But okay. for the most part, anything I order, it's typically under, you know, 30 bucks or so. Just eat it? I'll just eat the loss because it's like not where, you know, it's too much of a hassle. I ordered something off Amazon that I found out before it got to my place. I don't have a need for it. So now I have this unopened Amazon package that I want to return. And I honestly go don't to, know the best way to do it. Go to Kohl's. Is that the answer? Is that really the easiest way to do it? Wait, I'm sorry. What's the package? Did you say what the package was? It's a PS4 controller, but I found out I don't need it anymore. But it's still, I haven't opened it. It's still in the, it's not even haven't opened the controller. It's still in the Amazon box. Like, can't I just leave it and let the Amazon guy take it next time he drops off my packages? No, because he has to go back to, from which it came. Like, you can, it's, it's going to be, it's said to be delivered to your house, which where is delivered. So, okay. So, my question to the so, audience so is go that to, my best option? Go, go to, to Kohl's. Kohl's. All right. And although, like, and when I was in Kohl's, though, I was there for, mm, I don't know, 45 minutes, an hour trying on shoes and stuff. Right. And I walked out 
didn't buy anything. We both try on clothes and neither of us bought actually bought anything. So getting in the store is only half the battle. Getting people to spend money is the other half. Um, so I don't know how they do that. I've always liked shopping at Kohl's. Um, but I, I don't know how, I don't know. I mean, it's big box retail is that, if that's what you want to own, then I guess go for it on the chart on the daily. Let's go to a weekly. Actually, that's probably going to be a little more. Yeah, that's better. Like, I mean, well, we already, you already filled that gap once. So mm, I don't know. Kohl's is tough. Wait, Hex is saying there's a market for reselling returned items. I don't know what that means. Oh, you can't you just throw it up on? Oh, I could. Can you mean, just throw it up on Facebook, Facebook store, or? Uh, oh, see, Lisa Lee. This is why. This is why I don't just ask Spencer. I ask the chat. I can print return label. I mean, that's easier than going to to Kohl's. Is it? You have to go to FedEx to do that, can't you? No, you can like, print you? it from your home printer. Do you have I a print? Like, you, do you have a printer? Well, I would print it here. Yeah, okay. and then I'd scotch tape it. I, I don't even know if I have scotch I, tape. I don't. I don't have. Box. I don't own, and probably will never own a printer. I think in my life. Why? Why no. should I have a printer? There was a time, like in like the mid two thousand, you know, from like two thousand like five, yeah, like two thousand ten. You like needed a printer. Okay, we're, I'm gonna do a survey in the chat. Do you own a printer? Is the question I want to know. Although I will say, printers have gotten exponentially cheaper over the last like ten years or so. So now you can get like a printer scanner combo for like ninety bucks. It's probably uh, worth I, I'm making. I'm making it's probably a, worth having. I'm making a survey. I want to give me. It's gonna take me ten seconds here. Give me a minute. Give me a minute. I'm creating a poll. Wait, home printers are scams? How are they scams? Don't, don't answer the question the yet. Ink, Hold on. Is the ink? Yeah, the, 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 ink, well, the, ink, is the, the ink is the scam. Oh, the ink is the scam? Do you own a printer? Yes or no? I, I have to know. I don't own a printer. I, I'm I'm a young person. We had like a colored printer, and when I was a kid, I would like print like full, like a, like a Google image. Yeah. Just like, oh, no. and, like, I was kill. like, think about how much ink that Kill is. the cartridge, man. Literally in one Just in kill one the cartridge. Page, I would like print like a, oh, DK has two and neither work. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. Yes, I'm seeing 88% yes right now. Um, no, I have never owned a printer as an adult. Granted, I'm barely, I'm barely an adult, but. Um, uh, did you in college, did you have like, like you had a certain amount allotted that you were like allowed to print? And if you went over, you got like charged on your student. I don't, I don't remember. Oh, we did. I did. I did have a printer in college. I did have a printer in college. Oh, like your own? Yes. I, I, just go I, use, like, I, I had my own printer in college. Um, well, I, I needed it because I would always like wait to the last minute to write papers. So I'd, I would have to like print it right before. Hex, I got to I got to learn more about this, but I'm confused. Why would. Who are people buying the pallets of returned items from? Is Amazon selling these pallets of returned items? I That's just listened to a podcast about this. Um, then you should know the answer. Crap. There, what was the store, though? I, it, was, it was on Planet Money, if anyone listens to this. Um, Shout out to NPR. They did a podcast recently where they follow these two – Girls and they go to the store, and the store itself, it's uh I don't know what you call it, a se- um, a secondary store where they basically just have a bunch of all these goods that have that have been returned, and you can just go in and like basically just dumpster dive 
buy the stuff from the store. And if you know that like the PS4 controller market is really hot right now, you buy it at the store and just sell it online for you know at, at a premium. I don't know what that store is called though. Um, there was just a whole episode about that, but well, it kind of reminds me. Know. There's a way you can buy old like storage units that are not being used, yes. or, like that haven't been used in a while. Yes. And, like it's a mystery box. Like you can buy one for a thousand dollars and you don't know what's inside of it. That's true. There's a chance you open it and you make a lot of money because the, the the valuables inside are worth a lot more than a thousand dollars. Or it's a bunch of junk and you are out a thousand dollars. It's kind of like a, a fun lottery ticket. That's true. Um, okay, before we get to our first guest, we got to talk be- uh, Bed Bath Man. We got, speaking of retail and returning stuff, Bed Bath & Beyond is your trending stock of the day. I got to admit, I did not see this coming. Um, Wait, I have, a, I have a, oh, also, we just had a big red candle on uh, uh, good old Bed Bath. Oh, wait, let's bring up the chart. Yeah, yeah. if you, you want to go to like a 10-minute. 15-minute uh, chart, let's go. 15, a little compromise. Where are we at? Here we go. Okay. It took a bit. Oh, you can I mean, see, you can see exactly. That's a really nice chart, actually. You can see exactly where I got suckered into this. I got suckered in right here, right there. No, you didn't. Yes, I did. No, you're. Wait. First, first green candle of the day on the 15 minute oh, chart. Up there, your mouse was showing that you were going over like the last red candle. Dude, why is my mouse not. <laughs> Wait, what the. <laughs> can you guys see where is my no, mouse? I can see I can see the crosshair from where you're like actually at, but up on the screen it's showing your mouse down by like I know, the last I know, it's button. very confusing. Okay. I hope you all can see that my mouse is on the ten fifteen AM candle. No. <laughs> because that's where my mouse is. Should I just refresh my screen? I I, 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 I don't know what's I've going on. I've never seen this happen before. Yeah, there's a weird like lag on my cursor. It's, it makes no sense. Um all right, let's refresh my pro. Let's try it again. They may have to refresh. Maybe it's just a TV issue up here on our end. Um, that's better, I think. Okay, so I got suckered in right. No, it's not better. <laughs> Gee, what is going on? All right, I got suckered in on the, on the first green bar of the day at ten fifteen. I saw that green candle and I bought. I think I bought a twenty. What was my cost base? It's twenty five something. Set a stop that Zunade told me to set at twenty three eighty five. So got filled on that. Twenty minutes later, and that was the end of my trade. Um, this is a very interesting dynamic. I, if you had asked me at nine a.m., what does Bed Bed Bath hit first? Does it hit sixty or does it hit twenty? I would have said sixty. For sure, I would have said sixty. Uh, I would have been dead wrong. Yeah, I mean, we have uh, recent history in our minds, of course, with, with GameStop, AMC. I mean, most recently, which I, I'm sure we'll talk about this today, too, INDO. I mean, I holy know. cow. And, and remind you guys, uh, if, if you're avid watchers of this show, we had the stock market wolf on this show. Um, actually, can we? Can someone remind me? Can we get a clip of that? from? He was on the show. I'll, I'll get the exact uh, time. He gave this gave INDO, not Bed Bath & Beyond, gave INDO Indonesia Energy at, I believe, five fifty a share. Oh, my gosh. Uh, it's up to 70 bucks now. So I don't know if anyone you know was listening to Stock Market Wolf and, and got into that trade at five fifty. dollars uh, you, you have a nice return there. Um, my question is, which not ethically or morally, but like legally, could... Ryan Cohen have bought his 10% stake last week and sold it this morning? Yes. 
legally speaking i would i would have if i were him i mean that's the easiest i mean what's 10 you, you buy 10 percent of a company the stock's up 60 percent the next day I mean, yes that's the easiest money in the world yes why, why would why would like i hope I yes i mean i don't hope he sold this for people other people like you spencer he's he's, a, he's, he's allowed to do that i i would have a hundred percent sold if not i mean it's hard not to the position it's 60%, hard percent that's like two i mean think about that if you got 60 percent over three years you're hitting 20 percent a year that's great returns you do 60 he did it in one day week. one day he did it in one day one day that's amazing i'm tripping my position there all day long now we're not gonna really know i'm i'm sure he i'm sure he didn't sell but if he if if he did, we're not gonna know until um, May fifteenth. Well, if he if he did, we're not gonna know until May fifteenth if, if he sold. If he did, I mean the the court of public opinion is harsh. He, he would become the he would surpass Chamath as becoming like the new. I mean, like, it, it, public enemy. You number one you about, only get that bullet once. Well, that's what I'm saying. You only get but that here's, once. Here's the question: the, If this, is, if you're gonna do it now, that's it. You're. I know, and, and then he just rides off in the sunset. We'll never hear of Ryan Cohen again. But I want to know, like, how much the ten percent, which just would be really easy to find out, how much the ten percent stake was worth, mm, how much. Mm, not a ten percent stake. That's important. Well, it's nine points. That's no, no. It's very important. It's not a 10% stake because if you did take a 10% stake, then he's required to tell the market when he sells. That is why okay. that is why he took no, this is that's why he took a 9.8% stake and not a 10% stake. You take 10% stake of the company, you have to have a form 4 filing when you sell. That that is a good point. But my what my the point I was going to make was and I don't know off the top of my head how much this 9.8% stake was worth. I mean we can look at the market cap and figure it out pretty quickly. Um but is that 60% gain or whatever Bed Bath and Beyond opened this morning? I'm mean, 100 100%. It opened wait, 100%. Wait, 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 let's see. Where did we close at? We closed at 6 16 16 dollars. We closed at 16 18 whatever. And we got to Oh, what the hell? There we go. We got to 35 this morning. That was on the pre-market. From 16 to 35 in one day. So, yeah, it more than doubled. Uh, shout out Ashton. He's saying May 15th is his birthday. Shout out. Uh, wait, 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 wait. Who said that? Ashton. Is that your birthday as well? Ashton, man. That's my birthday too. I'm May 5th, so shout out Taurus gang. Um what uh empower saying did not hold pm levels obvious short which bed bath and beyond did not hold last night's level not pre-saying pre-market uh, <laughs> i read pm as like evening. no no um all right that's that's a good point we oftentimes well you can, you can yeah look. you can see after the, obviously no, no well, i was just gonna say it's a good point that you it's you can use pre-market levels a lot of times to determine if the sure. stock is going to run or if it's sure. going to give up a lot of those gains. Okay, but bottom line, say, so market cap right now for Bed Bath & Beyond is about 1.5 bill, which it's obviously up uh, 27% today or whatever. So say it was, say it's a billion dollar company. Say uh, Cohen bought 9.8%, so his stake is worth 100 mil, up 100%. Is that $100 million profit? <laughs> I mean, okay, we'll, we'll, we'll call it is we'll call it sixty million after taxes. Is it worth it to use that one is shot? Is it worth it to use that one bullet to know that you're never you have you have retail investors for the rest of your life hate you? I think I would. I think I'd take that sixty mil right off in the sunset. Hey, you're never gonna hear from me again. Um, 
but yeah, I mean, if Ro- I the, think- the, though he, you're asking for the SEC to be knocking on your door if that if you do that. So, but but it's, it's not, not as it's if, not it's his not fault. As if he exactly, it's not as if he had any info. It's just his influence that he bought the stake yeah. and then this gets out there and causes the stock the, to run. The government not will to find mention, a way. Part of the reason this stock is running is because of the short interest. So it's not just solely oh Ryan Cohen <laughs> bought into uh, Bed Bath Beyond. It's up a hundred percent. No, it's Ryan Cohen. Bought into Bed Bath and Beyond. You have a positive catalyst. Now shorts are covering. <laughs> so it's all cumulative. I don't think I don't think the SEC would have a case if he bought last. No, week, I think they. Week. I think you would. You'd be surprised. I think. Although they, what I, will I think say, they would have a case. What I will say, and, I, I, and our first guest is here waiting, so we will get yeah. to him. What I will say is, it, it's I, I. He knows what he's doing. He picked a stock that has retail interest, has short interest. <laughs> yeah, it's a, sh- a short interest of like sixty percent. Has uh, you know, I mean, even his letter, like he was talking about NFTs, like he was just playing into <laughs> the cards. So, I mean, it, it seems so oh, obvious, like he knows man. what he's doing and he's willing to do it. But, uh, I, yeah, I mean, I doubt he's sold today, I don't All think right. he will. But let, 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 let's watch. pivot here from uh, stocks to Forex. Craig Erlim is a senior market analyst at uh, Oanda. And there's a lot of crazy stuff happening right now in the global Forex market. So let's get Craig's thoughts on the show and give Craig our new special intro because that's what special guests get. They get the special intro. Craig, what's up? How's it going? Big fun of the special intro. Thank you. Thank you. We did it just for you. So I'm a big uh, fan of the monitors. Yeah, nice setup back there. Uh he's got he's got the the quad the quad screen with the Bloomberg up there. That's yeah. I've got some uh real life NFTs behind me. <laughs> Very <great>. cool. <laughs> Craig, um give us the thirty thousand foot view. What exactly is going on right now in Forex land? Things are pretty crazy. Things are pretty crazy everywhere. Um, Forex is just one area, but uh, yeah, it's. I mean, it, it's so it's so hard right now. There's so much uncertainty around, and I think in, in my 10, 15 years of uh, working in the markets, this feels like the most headline-driven market I've ever worked in. One where mm. every minute of every day we're waiting for big headlines to appear, and they are appearing, and the markets are reacting really quickly to them. So we're seeing immense amounts of volatility everywhere, and. No matter where you look, there's no market that's boring. There's no market that's flat. And intraday, uh, God, over the weekend, with, with an immense volatility and immense moves, you look at even oil markets. I know we were talking about Forex, but you look at oil markets bouncing right. 18% yeah. overnight. I mean, that's that, that, that's that's incredible. I've, I can't think of a time when I've seen anything like this. I, I think Forex and commodities are probably your two craziest markets. You've got wheat lock limit up right now. Like that's not going to trade for the rest of the day. I mean, there's just a ton of crazy stuff happening. How the conversations that you're having with with clients? How are those going in in terms of, um, I don't know, fear or greed index? If you want to rank it somewhere on there. Well, like I say, it's extremely difficult because I think most people will agree that volatility is good in the markets. Um, you want to see volatility. But in, in, like I say, in such headline-driven markets, that makes life extremely difficult because you're not trying to anticipate the market direction. You're not trying to anticipate necessarily where you think things will go. You're also trying to anticipate what random comments someone's going to say. That can be anything from uh, from uh, Blinken uh, over the weekend in relation yeah. to the potential for Europe joining the US and banning uh, oil imports, which Germany's pushed back against today. It could be 
uh, Liz Truss here in the UK uh, talking about potentially people agreeing that if people want to go over to the Ukraine and fight from the UK, then they can. I mean, the, the knock-on effects of every word that comes out of so many people's mouths right now can be enormous. And that's what we're seeing in the market. So the, third, the I think the only thing, the first thing I always say to anyone is just I'm just urging caution because be aware what you're getting what, what you're getting involved in because right now these markets it, it's got excessive amounts of volatility uh, and therefore if you're if you're taking the dive in those kind of conditions you need to know what you're getting yourself in for and first 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 things first protect yourself. Yeah, I Craig, saw, uh, so go ahead, Craig. Have you been following um, the the Polish currency? Zloty. Well, I, know that, um, I know that a lot of the currencies over on the eastern side are, are coming under quite a, a lot of heavy pressure. Obviously, uh, the proximity to the uh, uh, to uh, the, the what's happening in the Ukraine uh, is is having quite a detrimental impact in in a number of different cases. The Polish lotty, I don't follow overly closely uh, individually, but I know that a lot of the currencies over that way are coming under quite a, a lot of pressure. Yeah, I, the reason I asked, I thought that was interesting. Um, over the weekend, so last Friday, uh, just to give some context, the Polish zloty over the past week alone is down more than 7% against the U.S. dollar. Um, and uh, last Friday, the, the whatever the central bank is of Poland stepped in and tried to um, you know, stabilize the currency so it wouldn't drop further, but it didn't seem to work last night when the uh, – or. Sunday evening when the uh, futures opened or whatever, it was down another one and a half percent. And a lot of people um, are worried that this currency could full on collapse. I mean, what, what, what does a central bank even do at that point if, uh, if you are worried about a currency full on collapsing? Well, I think I think like we've seen um, in a number of different cases, a lot of central banks who are being very active right now. The see, obviously, the central bank of Russia tried to support its currency prior to the sanctions being imposed upon yep. it. We've obviously seen the uh, Swiss national bank is talking about uh, supporting its currency as well. And yeah, I think there's a number of those um, a number of those countries in the Eastern Bloc who are also doing the same thing. You've got to remember a lot of these central banks have enormous amounts of foreign reserves. So at least over the short to medium term, they, there's a lot that they can do to continue to support the currency and it won't always work perfectly. But we've seen that if it, at least if it slows the moves and if it, it avoids too much damage being sustained, then there's a lot that they can do in that time. If that's not working, then you are talking about the potential for things like capital controls and things like that to be put in place and other excessive measures, stopping uh, short sales, for example, we've seen uh, if, I mean, if we want a lesson in what central banks can do to stem currency moves, then look no further than Turkey. Um, their central bank, the central, the CBRT, oh, yeah. has been extremely uh, active in the markets now over the course of the last couple of years. The last six months, in particular, um, have been very active in the, uh, and we've seen what the the, the currency will still have um, massive downside moves potentially. But it's all about limiting those downside moves and trying to find some stabilization in the markets, which there's different ways that that can be achieved. The first one, though, is using some of those foreign reserves and trying to stabilize the currency that way. No, oh, it's funny you mentioned Turkey. I hadn't thought about that for a minute because they were lowering their rates, right? And and that was the, that was a hot topic for like a week or so. But that was that was months ago. I, I kind of I had forgotten about it until you mentioned it just now, Craig. Um, also, this is the first time that, that the Polish Zloty has ever come up in conversation on this show. I think so. I think so too. Um, pretty uh, wild, well, wild, wild times we are in. Uh, Craig, the chat is asking the, where your accents from. The consensus seems to be Liverpool. Is that is, is that a good guess? Absolutely. I'm from 30 minutes from Liverpool. Hey, there we go. Chat, you guys are good. Um, 
What other markets are, are you watching right now? I mean, in, in, you said it earlier, in theory, volatility should be good, uh, but it, it it also increases risks of things like margin calls and, and, and the like. And and um, just w what other markets are, are like top of mind for you? And we didn't even talk about our central bank yet, our Federal Reserve in the U.S. that's going to meet next week. Absolutely. I think if there's, the, I mean, there's, I think there's a lot of jobs in the world I wouldn't want right now, but central bank is certainly one of them. <laughs> You're fighting. Uh, you, 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 there's yeah. so many different things which you're having to contend with right now. You've got levels of inflation that we've not seen in three decades. You've got the economy slowing down and now we, uh, we're recovering from a global pandemic, trying to find out how things stand, how countries are, uh, are formatted in, in many ways in, in the post-pandemic period. And then you just throw in um, a, a, an invasion of Ukraine uh, into the mix and the impact that that can have on oil prices we're obviously seeing uh, at the moment, but also also other commodities, things like palladium. I think Russia supplies around 40% of the world's palladium. So we've obviously seen a lot of movement there. I think we saw a similar move there that we saw in oil uh, at the start of trading uh, this morning as well. So um, like I said, there's so many markets, and this is even before you look at equity markets, the kind of bread and butter of the markets, uh, mm. which you look today and we were three four five percent down in europe and then shortly um around the around the the us anymore <laughs> i mean it, it, yeah. it's, it's incredible i i know as i said i was t saying earlier today you know you if you only looked at your screens like Eastern time at 6:30 a.m 9:30 a.m and 11:30 a.m you saw three vastly different things happening at, at, at any given time. Um, it's, it's it's very, very difficult to, to trade. I'm just curious, though, like, based on conversations you're having with clients, what is the general sentiment? Because prior to the Ukraine-Russia uh, war, sentiment was pretty much hinged on the interest rate environment here in the U.S. and that, that going from a near zero to a rising rate environment. That's that's con That's been confirmed now. Um, and there was a lot of ink spilled and um, words said about you know what a rising rate environment does for things like technology, and that was the overhang here. And now we have another overhang with with the war. But in terms of just overall sentiment out there, if you can gauge it for us in some way, shape, or form, how is it right now? I mean, think the the, the thing is trying to we're looking at a situation obviously right now where the entire focus is on what's happening in Ukraine. Uh, and there's no getting away from that. It, it, it's very difficult to talk about the European Central Bank this week, to talk about US inflation data this week, yeah. when you're going against the backdrop of a war in Ukraine. Yeah. And the videos and the images and the, the stories, etc., and the reports that we're seeing coming from there. Insane. So it's hard for that not to be having a, an extremely dampening effect and sobering effect on the markets. Suddenly, we're talking about these kind of almost once in a generation moves, or although the last decade has been quite active. We're talking about these potential once in a generation moves in the markets, but against that kind of backdrop, it's, it, it is extremely sobering. So there is a there is a very um, a very downbeat sentiment that we are seeing in the markets right now, because like you say, even when you take the Ukraine situation out of it, which is extremely difficult, we were already talking about markets where there was already a lot of concern about are interest rates going to rise too far? Are they going to have to rise too fast? Is it going to deal with inflation as much as it should? Or will we have to see much, much higher levels of interest rates, the type of which we haven't dealt with for 15 years? And many yeah. of us, and there's going to be a lot of people who have never seen rates above 1% or 2%. So um, is that going to be hard to contend with? Throw in $150 oil potentially into the mix uh, and extremely high energy prices. Here in the UK, for example, 
all the chatters about energy prices, what's going to happen? 50, 60% rises in household bills. What impact is that going to have on the economy? What is it impact is it going to have on jobs? This type of thing is, is what all the chatter is right now. And unfortunately, it's very, very negative. Um, and I think the next few months is just going to be really challenging as we start to contend with that. We start to get hopefully some more clarity on hopefully a positive some positive moves in terms of what we're seeing in the ukraine but hopefully as well also some more clarity on how inflation is looking maybe on a slightly better trajectory going into the middle of the year i think it's going to be challenging we've just got to hope that from then onwards that we start to see things improving but ultimately yeah. that will rely entirely in many ways on and, what happens in ukraine because and, inflation broadly starts to move in the right direction but oil prices are 150 dollars plus who's going to notice and that's the scariest part is in a, normally inflation would be priority number numero uno and it's taken a back seat as it well it should when there's a freaking war going on right but uh it's that's scary right it's like inflation is a huge problem and it's not even problem number one it's problem number two yeah. so like oh gosh as far as the central banks are concerned it has to be problem number one because it's all okay. well and good saying we need to look after the economy but if you look after the economy and three months later inflation is still rising then the economy is going to take a double hit when inflate when interest rates are rising twice as fast yeah. and we've still got high levels okay. of inflation so that's going to be the challenging thing that's why the turn of the, the middle of the year is going to be so important because at that point we're going to see is inflation heading in the right direction once again and can central banks start to take the foot off the gas especially if we are dealing with 150 dollar oil central banks will look through inflation driven by high energy prices because it'll be seen as temporary and ultimately raising interest rates isn't going to make that any better it's not going to change the price of oil what they're trying to deal with right now is what we're seeing ultimately which is shops are companies are raising prices and consumers are willing to pay it and they're getting higher wages that is that it's that type of dynamic which the fed wants to deal with right now and other central banks around the world because that's yeah, what okay. that's something that has the potential to spiral out of control they can't so, do anything about oil prices so so craig since we're talking about inflation i should know that cpi in the u.s u.s cpi is out thursday 8 30 a.m eastern time um it's one thing. It's one thing to guess the number. It's a whole other thing to guess the market's reaction to that number. Do you have any thoughts about Thursday? Um, so there's 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 a part of me that says um, it has to be something quite shocking to really to really cause any any spiral. I think a number below doesn't get anyone too excited. Um, a number roughly in line um, doesn't get anyone too excited. And even enough numbers slightly above, we're kind of used to that now. It has a numbing effect. Yeah. I think I feel like it, it, I can't remember the last time inflation was below what the market forecast was. It always seems to be half a percentage point above on an annual basis. So I think really anything up into kind of three tenths of one percent above what the market uh, what the market forecast is, and I can't I'm not, I'm not sure entirely what the consensus number is at this point. Uh, but okay. anything kind of three tenths of one percent above that, I think the market will just absorb, especially in this environment because it just isn't focus number one um but again if, if we start talking about half a percentage point more then yeah i think that's just going to really add to the doom and gloom that we're seeing in the markets already there's just that part of me and it's i've been like this since the first of january we just need to get through to may because that's when we'll start to see inflation data that's going to start telling us what's going to happen post peak and what type of trajectory we're going to be on and i think then we might start to see the information the, the data very differently of course from the first of january through to two weeks ago I wasn't really contending with uh, war in Ukraine and uh, 130, $140, $150 oil. But I think, I uh, yeah, uh, I think the next few months is just going to be so critical. I just, I, I'm sort of, it literally brings me back to when I was a kid because growing up, oil was like 450 a gallon here in the US. And I literally was like, oh, that sucked for the adults, but I'll never have to deal with that in my life as an adult. Well, here I am <laughs> dealing with that yeah. now as an adult. So, uh, yeah. 
It's tough. Craig Erlum is a senior market analyst at Oanda. Uh, Craig, appreciate the time. Thanks for coming on today. Thank you very much for having me. All righty. Uh, Wait. What? Sorry. I, when I did, did you have a question? Did I? No, no, no. Okay. No. Uh, although uh, I will say, Craig mentioned a once in a generational moment here where we're seeing how many once in a generational Too many. moments are we going to get in a, in a I, decade? I want to. Th- <laughs> I, I keep going back to the. If you're watching pre market prep last week, we had Angie Setzer on the show. She's a commodities professional and she said i think i'm gonna paraphrase her quote here but she said she's lost count of the number of black swan events she's seen in the last two years it's a never-ending stream that's an easy count covid the war too no 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 but there's a black swan as a true black swan one in commodity land there's been more than that there's been drought there's been okay now you have supply uh, like lumber now you have a you have a major supply shock but but a lumber that's a black swan wheat now is a black swan oh for sure have you read uh no nicholas taleb's book black swan yeah no Okay. It's on my list. It's also on my list. Uh, uh, guys, my my list of books. Maybe we should do a, a whole show one a day or a segment about books to read. Because Dude, my yeah, I actually got a library card yesterday. Roy Oak. Having fun isn't hard, man. I know. When you have a library card, a library is like a gym, but for your brain. I I have been. I go through my my reading is very um, sporadic. Um, Sporadic, thank you. It, I, there are weekends where I will read like the whole weekend and just plow through a book, and then I may not read again for like months. So um, I'm with you there. Sadat says it's really convoluted. I believe it. What the Black Swan? Yeah, I like. I mean, and I, I there's no one out there, author, thought lead, you know, thinker, whatever that is that that doesn't have like valid criticism out there. And I know there are, is a lot of valid criticism about. That book? Uh, to, no, not the book. Just oh. Taleb, Taleb in general. Okay. Uh, him and Steve Pinker get into it a lot, or had a big. I don't know. Fight. I don't know who Steve Pinker is. Steve Pinker wrote the Blank Slate. He's a big. I don't know who that is. I don't know what that is. Pinker. It's like he's a. He's basically a proponent of like, uh, nature over nurture. Like he's like everything is determined by your genes. Nothing else matters. Okay. And it's like he he. Cool. Uh, anyway. Anyway. Um. Wait. I um. I forgot something earlier, Aaron. We were at, we were having a conversation about birthdays, uh huh. Right? We forgot to mention whose birthday it is. Uh, Jason Rasnick. Jason Rasnick. If you're watching, this is for you. See that? Look at that beautiful. That's all. That's all we got for you, Raz. Happy birthday, Raz. Uh, he's 38 years young. No, he's not 38 years young, but it looks like it. I don't know. Happy birthday, Raz. I don't oh, actually know. Actually, how- I don't actually know how old he is. You're still on mic, Aaron. I don't know if you, you realize that. Um, someone just called Aaron, so he's, he had to take a call, apparently. Hello. He's going to do that on the show. Um, I don't know how old Raz is, but um, happy birthday, Raz. I think I want to say he's like 44. Don't quote me on that. I don't actually know. Happy birthday, Raz. Um, birthdays are the best kinds of days is what they always say, right? Um, speaking of Raz, I'm trying to get Raz on 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 the sh- back on pre market prep. I think maybe on Thursday. Don't want to. Well, it's not locked down yet. Not locked down, but I I think I'm hoping this Thursday maybe on pre market prep we can get Jason on the show. Just trying, dropping the plane on the seed now. Throwing it out there. All right, it is 12:21 on the East Coast. We're gonna have I think. Matt Hammond. I hope Matt Hammond can join us today. 
Uh, I know he um, is. Uh, he's in. He's in Portugal now. You all good? Yep. All right. Cool. He's in Portugal now. I hope he'll be able to join us. Wait, gonna, but, yeah. Oh, uh, continue. No, no. I was just gonna say. I don't even know. <laughs> I, yeah, I, don't, I haven't heard from Matt. Yeah, we haven't heard from Matt this morning, so we hope he's okay. Um, I wanted to because I was confused. You said you. All right, Whoa! So, wait, wait. Numbers. What is this? This is U.S. all grades of retail gasoline prices. Oh, sweet! Is this like an average of wait the in, average of the three the three grades? What is it? I don't know. I don't oh, know if it's just a, diesel in there. I don't know. It's I'm just not, an, <laughs> it's just an average. Okay. I have no clue. Cool, cool, cool. No, no. Let's look at this. Um. So you mentioned you said like when you were a kid. Yeah. So I'm guessing right here around 2008. Yeah. How old? Like, how old are you then? I'm. I, I was. I was 17. 17? Yeah. Okay, so you were driving at that point. Uh, Yeah, yeah, I was driving. So this is when, kind of for now, the peak, June, July of 2008. And mind you, this like, is... I, I was driving, but like... Uh, not I, paying I, your well, gas? Well, no, I guess I was paying because I had, it's, like, I, had, I had a job, so I guess I was paying for gas. I, I, mean, they, I wasn't driving a lot. I was driving around my, my hometown. It wasn't like I was driving like distances, you know what I mean? I was going like five miles here, yeah. two miles there. Right, so I was like eleven, twelve in this uh, two thousand seven, two thousand eight, and like I had no clue really how bad things were. Oh, like, I man. remember talking to my dad about it, like after the fact, like, and, and my dad was like in the markets, like investing, like had yeah. lost a lot of money, and he's like, you don't remember? He's like, I, you know, whatever was like, <laughs> you know, like so down, like depressed that whole year, whatever. And I was like, oh, I don't really remember that, whatever. But the, it's so interesting seeing the next year. So J- June of the next year after 2008. So this yeah. is when things are really bad with the, the recession and gas is so high. Yep. Uh, gas had dropped like a buck 50 down to 260. Yeah. And then this right here is what I started driving in 2013, 14, 15. And gas, I remember like filling up at 380 three, you know 370 being like this is bullshit it's fucking costing me like 380 please well that's where we're back <laughs> we're back to that right now i mean yeah, yeah also no, look do you remember this we're above do you that remember now. this right when covid hit yeah that was amazing I, at one point i have a picture of it that on was amazing because i was in uh like middle you know columbia missouri like smack dab in the middle of missouri i'm pretty sure at one point i filled up my tank at what was less than a dollar a gallon I want to say it was like $98 a gallon. You, I'll never I'll never have that again in my lifetime. So here, can I just like do a quick – I because I, I, I keep a monthly spreadsheet. I think I've done this once before. I, I can bring up and, sh- and tell you how much money I spent on gas in the spring of 2020. I think over I think over like a six-month span I spent like, I don't know, 100 bucks total on gas. It was ridiculous. Um, oh, during that – well, you also weren't driving. Yeah, I, was, I wasn't going anywhere. Yeah, I wasn't driving, which is true. Uh, what was I about to say? Oh, yeah, on the gas thing. It was so weird too because – it was ironic in a way because gas prices were like were peaking like really bad, right? Oh seven, oh eight, and that was also several years after uh, Hummers. Remember how Hummers were like the most popular car? Every cool celebrity had a Hummer or a Jeep yeah, LeBron, or or, LeBron or a, a Cadillac Escalade. These things that get like five miles to the gallon and take like you know uh, they, they just have these ridiculously poor mileage, and then. And then gas shot up, and those things like died. Like no one had a Hummer anymore after that. I feel like because well, that's what's interesting. I mean, and you can see it in just prices of SUVs. When gas prices go up, prices for SUVs go down. When gas goes down, prices for SUVs go up. 
And my question is, are we going to see the same effects in terms of uh, EVs? Like, are we going to see a huge spike in demand for EVs right now with gas prices rising? I'm sorry, I'm on my phone. I'm trying to find well, this picture. That's the thought. That's the guess. I mean, Tesla's having a good day, a good day right? Are they still? Because they, they, they were up about 3% and then went... Uh, and then went red. Oh, really? I didn't see Tesla go red. Let's take. Oh, yeah. yeah. Wow. Tesla went red. Is it I, still red? Every sector is red right now, except for utilities. XLU is your own. Even even energy. Someone just noted that in the chat. Every sector is down except for utilities. This is a pure defensive day right now. Let me bring up my, my pro. You can see that. So it's enough of the the gas chart. We don't need to see that anymore. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot of numbers. We don't. I'm still. I'm trying to find this picture. I, I, I know I took a picture at the gas pump. There, there we go. All right, uh, enough of that. Um, yeah, I remember the SUV market. Just like, it was like overnight. Everyone, everyone wanted to drive an Escalade and a Hummer, and then nobody wanted to drive an Escalade and a Hummer. Um, pretty funny how 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 things work out like that. So. Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of, I've always kind of thought, because I, I bought a car, I bought a used car in 2017. Um, uh, the same uh, one you have now? The one I have now. Oh, wow. And I, I've i always kind of thought that, like, that'll be my last um, gas guzzling car. Whoa, like, whoa, 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 wait, hold on. <laughs> like, uh, the, the next car that I buy will be, like, uh, an EV of some kind. Right? The first stock we looked at today was Lockheed Martin. Yeah. I said, also, what is Luke doing in your de- on your desk right now? Should we be concerned Dude, about that? Dude, why is Luke sitting at my desk? Should we be concerned? Can we, can we get the camera overhead camera, please, Rohan? Please. Rohan. Rohan. Is he even at his desk? I don't think so. <laughs> hey, Aaron. Are you, uh, other Aaron. Aaron Thomas. Yeah, I'm talking to you. I'm talking to you, Aaron <laughs> Thomas. Aaron just put you down, know- he just threw down his sandwich and said, I'm fucking done with this bullshit Spencer. i'm talking to you aaron I'm thomas you know what i was gonna say so also i don't know if raz is watching right now i do want to before this week is over remind me i want to i want to prank call raz live on the show and i was gonna do it today but i didn't even realize it was his birthday but i want to know like what would be the funniest prank because the thing i had in my head was like what if i was like oh i'm so sorry like i was playing catch with aaron in the office and i broke one of the glass panels the glass panel like, do you think he'd believe it? We, we haven't pranked Raz in a long Raz is due for a pranking. Well, I think he'd believe it, that it like, would be something I would do. The problem is, is he'd be like immediately like send me a picture, send me a, a video. True. Um, True. So that would dismiss it pretty quickly. So I'm trying I, to think of like other funny I, I, I did damage to the office once. What'd you do? Uh, there's a dent in, uh, in a wall over like in the back there. Look, that's Luke at my desk. Oh, he's on your Twitter, dude. Dude. I swear. <laughs> no, I can't tell where he's looking at right now. Okay, he's, he's either on Slack or No, Twitter. I think he's on Thinkorswim. Oh, really? Yeah. I th- dude, <laughs> I swear, Luke, I'm going to... Oh, oh dude, he's, he's, on, he's on my Twitter. <laughs> Luke? He, s- he's the one that's been following all those weird accounts you follow. Luke does sign me up for shit. He signs me, he up, signs for, up, for he signs me up for emails. Um, no, no. So, so anyway, there was, there was Randy. Uh, so what what was I saying? Oh, you Um, know what'd be Inception AT is if you zoomed in on the back view of that camera and it gave us the same view we're seeing No, but what I was saying was (laughs) there's a dent over on the wall over there Uh because we we used to have this scooter that didn't really work. Like like a bird scooter? No, no. It was like a, 
I don't know how to, it's like a little motorcycle scooter thing. Anyway. Oh, oh like you I, sit down. You sit down. It. Anyway, and I, I drove it into the wall not long after we moved in here. And there was like a there's like a divot in the wall there. And I put it on Snapchat because it was funny. And then Raz and I, that was that was the moment when I realized that Raz and I were friends on Snapchat. Because mm. he replied and he was not happy. So I was like, nope, unfriend. <laughs> don't want to be friends with them anymore. Um, All right. So we'll keep brainstorming some good pranks on Raz. He's, he is due. Um yeah. This is J Raz prank BD call. I don't know what that means. I don't know either. We 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 will prank call Raz. We gotta figure out how though. It, the glass thing, as good idea as that is, he would he would ask for proof. Right, right away, and then it'd be like then, we wouldn't have and then, unless unless Rohan's like really, really good at Photoshop. Which he's not. Well, <laughs> No, Rohan's not even he's not even here, man. Well, if someone, if like one of our editors out there is like really good at Photoshop, um yeah. All right. I don't know. Uh, yeah, I guess I'll, I'll keep thinking of it too. Um, but anyway, I, I brought up Lockheed Martin because when we looked at it earlier in the show, oh, yeah, 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 it's pretty. I up was um, uh, well here. I'll pull up. I'll, I'll get it up on the screen. LMT. Whoa! Can I wait? Can I pull it up on my screen? Yeah, go. Because your your cursor is all messed up. Yeah, apparently so. My cursor doesn't want to work today. All right. Um, this is not Lockheed. This is Chevron. Okay, we don't want that. No. Let me go to LMT. Uh, limited, as Mr. David Green would call it. Why? So we were, and we can see right here, because it was 1130 uh-huh. right when we started the show. <laughs> Your timing is impeccable. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was 1130, <laughs> and I was like, hey, look, we, oh, we just no. got up, which it looks like we had surpassed um, previous highs of the day. But let me. Why does my chart not look good? Why, why is there so much space like not being taken up by the chart? Dude, you got to zoom out. Okay, yeah, it's working, Spencer. Yeah, but your axes are all, you, you know, it's too hard to see the, the numbers on the axes. But. All right, I'll tell you the numbers. Okay. All right, well, actually, no, I don't even know. All right, either way, when we hit this level, and we're on a five-minute chart here, by the way. When we hit this level up here, it looked like we had broken uh, new intraday's highs because this candle is higher than this candle. But if you looked at the actual, um, what we got up to, it hit just in line with it. And then we started trading lower. So we got that kind of failure to, to make new highs, kind of double top. I got in on a put, it's up about 55%. Can't sell it because I already used all my day trades on Robinhood. So I'm stuck holding this till tomorrow. But bottom line was, um, and I'm not like the hugest chart guy, but something like a double top, like it, it makes logical sense to me too, right? Like you get to this point, you have two options once you get back to this point. You are either going to, go past it, I guess three options. You could just sit and trade sideways at that point, which we rarely see, but mm-hmm. you can either break through that and make new highs and it sets up for a trade to the upside, or you reject that level and you start trading lower. Now that's not like an 100%. You can look out the, for this every single time you see a double top forming, but in my experience, more times than not, that failure to break uh, you know, the previous high of the day sets up for a nice little down downtrend. So um yeah i don't know if anyone else got in that trade with me or was watching but uh and i don't know if we got any new i mean lockheed's what down i guess it's not that much down a percent two percent in the last hour well wait my cursor's big is it Uh, i guess i guess kind of lockheed being down i don't know what it's well wait my my cursor's doing it too i'm over here on the i'm like where's here Exactly. <laughs> like here, I'll show right. you on my, on my computer. Be, I'm, I'm here. It must be a StreamYard bug today. That's that's channel. very bizarre. It's like down to the right. That's very bizarre. Do you guys remember smart boards? Did you have smart boards? In- yes. I'm not that old. 
Well, I, some school districts may not have enough money for smart boards. Right, I don't know. Fair. But remember when you, we would have to calibrate them? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they yeah. would get all like janked up, and you'd have to calibrate yep. them. Yep. Smart. That was like the funniest thing ever. Like the, the school spending. I, I don't know. I don't think we ever used them that often. And the worst part was was when an, an idiot would draw on it. Those things are you couldn't. <laughs> oh, oh, like with a real marker. With a real marker. Yeah, we had yeah. that happen a, a lot yeah. of times. That's a, that's a ruiner right there. Um, um, anyway, I don't. So I don't know where Matt Hammond is. Uh, we haven't heard from. I hope he's okay. I'm assuming. Okay, Jay Rice is pointing out that it's. Uh, I guess everything reversed. It had. Yeah. Oh yeah. Nothing oh, yeah. to do with the chart. No, no. It, well, maybe it did. I don't know. I, either way, it worked out. Whether it was yeah, lucky. Yeah. Everything is down. Nothing to do. With everything the chart. is down today. We just talked about this. Everything is down except for. But utilities. it wasn't. I mean, Lockheed Martin was up four percent at one point. Yeah. Um, Chevron was up. Oh wow, wow. Chevron really set up for a. For a short trade there. Got all the way up to 162, now down to, wow, you would have made a lot of money on these Chevron puts. I was looking at those earlier today, and I had on, I've honestly, I've already lost so much money over the past, like, two weeks trying to short Chevron, just because I was like, all right. It's Dude. Got, not, well, I don't, I'm not even expecting, no. like, the trend not to continue. Like, I yeah. do expect Chevron, like, oil to keep getting more expensive, like, whatever, but... I was just like, yeah, it's due for a red day. Like, you just can't go up every single day. So I'd like be shorting it, trying to get just that little leg down, and we haven't had it yet. So, dude, this bed bath. Oh my gosh, it's it might go back to sixteen today. Honestly, it might go back to hell. What was that low? Twenty? We got to twenty. Twenty twenty two. Yo, we might get back down to sixteen. This thing is falling straight down from the open. Holy cow! It is a different market right now. If this were January, if this were March of last year, Bed Bath to fifty today, maybe sixty, maybe more. Holy cow! This is this does not bode well for any type of rally like this. And I know there are some stocks that are making like create like INDO. Is that what it was? Yep. Yeah, Indonesia Energy. What Which are we is at now? Part, partly, I know it's a it's a crazy YOLO BS squeeze crap right just mo moving on a hinge from reality but there there is also some semblance of a macro catalyst here right because this is an oil play so there is some macro catalyst i know the stock is moving in you know in just by itself right now it's moving uh just in just stupidly but um at least you have a macro catalyst now for stocks that don't have any sort of macro catalyst, like like Bed Bath just has what an active well, stake today, big big freaking whoop. This does not bode well for any type of viral, any viral meme stock movement. This does not bode well for that. Well, I I don't know, I and mean, I think there is kind of a fundamental catalyst here because you have the track record, Ryan Cohen, the the chewification, you know, whatever. And he said himself that he's trying to. Um, kind of revitalize and revolutionize Bed Bath & Beyond's business. So if you see this as an opportunity for the company to um, either pivot or just kind of transition into a new age of Bed Bath & Beyond, then it is a catalyst. Um, and actually, after it, it seems Ryan Cohen is what he's trying to do here with Bed Bath & Beyond is very... Uh, he, wants to, he wants them to spin stuff off. It's very Carl Icahn-esque. Yeah, he's like, he's told the CEO he makes too much money. 
Yeah, that, which, that's always been one that's of Carl. very that's, that's very always, that's always been one of Carl Icahn's things. Which Spencer, yeah. I don't know if you've seen a documentary. Oh, I knew you were going to ask me. No, I haven't. <laughs> I'm going to keep asking you until you watch it because it's pretty good. And I only found out about it because of I you, know, and I watched it. Um, but he, uh, Carl Icahn, you know, like historically, like famously, is always it hates CEOs, hates big boards. Yeah. Says you guys are all getting sitting up here getting paid a million bucks a year. What are you actually doing? Um, and I, I mean, I don't know, because from what I understood from the documentary, Carl Icahn was very much like a pioneer in this kind of activist investor space. Like there weren't a lot of people doing what he did. Yeah. And I don't know now, it is Ryan Cohen, like the the best, I don't know, second example aside from Carl Icahn. So if you no, don't know no. essentially what Carl Icahn does is he will buy a stake in a, what he has done historically, will buy a stake in a company and then uh using just sheer brute force of power of will will force the company to do whatever it is that he wants so he'll see a company that he has potential say i love mcdonald actually that's not a good example because he actually is doing this with mcdonald's right now say i love shake shack but i hate their to-go mobile ordering i think it's terrible and i think by improving the app we'd increase sales 50 percent essentially what i would do is buy a stake in Shake Shack, a stake big enough that would get me a seat on the board or, or a couple seats on the board and then just create havoc until or chaos until I get my way and the app is redone. Um, and then what well, has happened yeah. is Carl Icahn has most of the time been right. Yeah, he's not always right, but or he just likes to, you know, he likes to create shareholder value. That's his big thing, right? Shareholder value. He thinks your stock is undervalued because of X, Y, and Z. Your operations are wrong. This is this is priced incorrectly. You're not in this business. You shouldn't be in that business. Um, you know he proposes shakeups. Sometimes he works. Sometimes he doesn't. Um, but I don't know on the bed bath thing. I mean, maybe they spin spin off what he want. Told them he wanted them to spin off uh, Bye Bye Baby, which okay. Maybe spin off what the the baby store that they have Bye Bye Baby. Bye um, Bye Bye Bye. Oh, well, that doesn't seem like a good store for her name. <laughs> I think it's like B U I, bye bye bye. I don't know, I don't know. Anyway, like, um, shoot, what was I going to talk about before? I just had something to bring up. Oh yeah, Aaron, um, your I was looking at a, a note here this morning from Wedbush. Okay, and uh, he, the note listed the ten software slash cloud stocks that. Are the only ten that are still trading at twenty times price to sales ratio, twenty times sales, and Asana, uh, Asana is on the list. So that's bad. It's not bad per se. It's just more of an observation that like Asana has held up relative to oh, the okay. rest of. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, here's the thing. Well, it means it's still expensive is what it means. It's still expensive. That's what that means. And I, I understand everyone's going to have a different investing strategy. Some of us uh, like to buy, quote unquote, cheaper stocks, you know, stocks that have a lower P.E., whatever. The only thing I'll say is if, if, if you look at a stock and see a high P.E. or a high price to sales ratio and that turns you off of the stock and, and you like everything else outside of that and you don't get into it. I, w- I would say look historically. I mean, if if you would have let Amazon's PE deter you away from buying the stock, you would have missed out on 15 years of, of amazing gains. Same thing with Apple. Same thing. Historically, a lot of the best stocks 
historically trade expensive. Um, and that's just how it goes. And of course, the pendulum swings both ways at some point. When you do get a stock that's very expensive, high PE, whatever, growth comes out of favor. The stocks come down a lot. And and, and a lot of times you'll see people go out and buy uh, the low PE stocks, whether that's Johnson & Johnson, Chevron, you name it. Um, but then right when the pendulum swings back the other way and growth is back in favor, people don't want to hold – it doesn't matter what the what the PE is. People don't want to hold Chevron, whatever, because it's boring, and, and you're not yeah. going to get as great of returns. And it's like what, it's like what we talked about with uh, Tim Quast. At the end of the day, the stock market is about what someone's willing to pay for any given name. You can um, – and – a lot of these fundamentals in terms of PE, price to sales, play into that. They affect how much someone is willing to pay for a given name. Um, but if a PE is five and no one wants to buy the stock, it doesn't matter that the PE is five. Um, but yeah, that, that's it. And I'm not, honestly, I'm not very convicted in Asana. I told you I sold, I, yeah. I had bought some, I had sold some. I still, the story to me, I, I mean, I got to think, this guy, Dustin Moskovitz, either knows something or he's just saying, like, fuck it, this is my company. I'm going down with the ship. And he's buying, literally, at this point, more than a billion dollars worth of stock in the last six months alone. Um, it's crazy. It's crazy, It's man. insane. And, I mean, it's and he's a rich guy, obviously, to buy a billion dollars of stock. But, his, I mean, his net worth, I think, when I looked at it, which I don't know how accurate it was, said it was about eight bill. One eighth of your net worth is nothing to sneeze at, right? I mean, if you had, that's, I mean, I don't have one eighth of my net worth in anything. Well, actually, the stock market, I do, but not one particular name. Yeah. Also, one eighth of my net worth is. Uh, for those looking for an update, Luke Jacoby has stepped away from my from my desk. So thank goodness he didn't. I don't think he tweeted from me, which is nice. He. he oh, you were checking to make he, sure. I was checking. I was, yeah, he didn't. He didn't say anything. Embarrassing. Um, oh, you want to hear something funny? Um, of course. My my dad texted me on Friday. Um, so we had Jay Woods on the show, right? Or was that Thursday? Yeah, remind me who right. Jay Woods is. The, the Drive Wealth, Florida Director of New York Stock Exchange. Okay. Whatever he was, I think he was on the show Thursday or Friday. And um, I guess one of my dad's former coworkers works with Jay and liked Jay's post on LinkedIn. And I was on the thumbnail. And my and so the, this coworker of Jay, who's a former coworker of my who's a former coworker of my dad's, and they're connected on LinkedIn. Saw my thumb, my they posted about my the show, and my face was on the thumbnail. So my dad saw my my face on his former coworker's LinkedIn page, which he thought was very strange. I guess that means I'm famous now. Is the yeah take, into the, the wild. So I similarly yeah. I had. Um, I had an, uh, my boss at like my old job in college sent yeah. me a TikTok that I had posted from Benzinga's TikTok and was like, oh, this popped up in my For You page today. That's funny. And I thought like, oh my God, it's crazy. Like I, I'm getting, our, our TikToks are getting recognized in yeah. the wild, whatever. Found out that uh, TikTok will show you videos if someone that is in your contacts posts oh, a video. And damn. since my phone number is connected to Benzinga's TikTok, it's more likely that it just popped up on his page because he has my phone number saved on his phone. Got it. Um, which I guess there's no way to know one way or the other which All one right. was. I, I want to address a DM that I got during the show just today from uh, Henry. 
He's asking about App Harvest, APPH. I'm going to bring the chart Wait, up on this DM one. from Henry R. Henry? No. Henry K? No. Oh, I thought you were yeah. Henry K. No, no, different, different K. Oh, not, yeah, DM like on Twitter. Not yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. No, no. Uh, a Twitter DM. Henry from this Twitter. This was a uh, Young Investor stock. Shout out Young Investor. Henry from Twitter is asking me about App Harvest. Okay. Um, wonder, I'm just going to read Henry's comment. Wondering if you could provide some insight in your opinion, the recent move in APPH, how much of it is due to what's going on in Ukraine? It is a former SPAC, but it is producing, expanding, and meeting its objectives. My thesis has been unfairly punished by association. Um, so he owns the stock um, and wants my thoughts. So first thing, yes, it's, it is being punished in part because it's a SPAC. All SPACs are being well, hold on, punished. Real quick, Spencer, let's say what app harvest does what app harvest it's does agri- is they, ag tech right it's, yeah they, they, they provide climate controlled agriculture so essentially think like a big dome where you can grow tropical okay. bananas in the middle of kentucky in the winter right or Thanks. michigan in the winter or, or michigan what did i say um, yeah no okay. that, that works too um so is it are they being punished in part because they because they were spac probably all spacs are being punished is it fair no are there some good are there some great Companies that that went back, yeah, eh. yeah. I, I I mean I think it's, I, I think it's 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 unfair to say that of the literally hundreds of companies to go public via SPAC in the last two years that they are all crap. They're I not. I'm not saying that. They're I just not don't all know crap. How many great companies have went public via SPAC? Like I'm thinking about it. Like the the ones that have held up the most, Laser, DraftKings. Yeah. Traffic is uh, getting punished now, too. Lucid. I don't know if I would consider any of those three companies okay. great companies. I, Maybe I, in, in the long term, there will be a couple winners. There, that's just the law of averages, right? There will be a couple winners. There will be a couple big losers, and maybe most of them are going to be down. But you're, you will have a couple winners. That, that's just like a standard distribution, right? The bell curve, right? You're going to have a couple winners. Um, now, so, so, that, so that's the first thing that it doesn't have going for it. The second thing that it does not have going for it and I, I looked this up very quickly in Benzinger Pro. I just went to news, and this is a, um, a news feed of every single headline we've ever had on App Harvest. They missed their numbers, okay? Now, I, I, I'm not talking about the last quarter. I'm talking about uh, the going before that, okay? They're actually got, they raised their guidance last time around. But, but before that, they missed their numbers in August, and they missed their numbers once before that as well. Yeah, they lowered their guidance in May. They lowered their guidance in May and in August. You, and so I understand that their most recent co- report was was better, but you cannot, you cannot be lowering guidance or or missing your guidance in this environment. You can't. That's what that big gap was. That was a, that was them lowering guidance. You cannot be doing that. So yes, they appear to have had one good quarter. Does that mean the stock should go back to to twenty? How high did it get? You got to 40. You got to, what's the all-time high? 42. Okay. So, so great. They seem to have had a, a, a good quarter where they raised their guidance. I mean, they missed their sales, but and they, they missed their earnings, but who cares about that? Their sales came in above estimates. Um, again, that's their EBITDA guide for the year. Um, looks like it's okay. It's okay growth, right? Um, fine. Now they need to do that for like eight more quarters, right? It's not the environment. This is not the environment for moonshots. When I say moonshot, I mean like high growth, long-term 
stories, companies that will take years to for the story to play out. This is a growth story. We are not in a growth environment. So maybe you're still going to end up being right one day. But investing is hard. This is why it's hard because you got to stomach periods like this where you maybe you know I'm sure you know more about the business than I do, okay? Um, maybe you're right. But how long will it take to prove that out? The Wait, bottom, the bottom line is right the margin for error here is basically zero from an app harvest standpoint. The margin for error is zero. If they come out at any point in the next couple of years and either lower their guidance or say our growth rate is slow or anything negative, that's, that's all the excuse the market needs to punish you even further. So is there a macro tailwind here with commodity prices rising? Uh, I'm not well. I'm not quite sure how that impacts their business because they're not really a commodities business per se, right? It's like, it's like a farming tech business. Um, I mean, the market seems to think that that it's good for app harvest, so that's cool. You've got that going for it. That's probably a that's probably a temporary thing, right? I, I mean, I'm hoping, right? I'm hoping we don't have five dollar oil for the next uh, few years or wheat through the roof for the next whatever, um, but. Margin of error here is zero. You, you, you're, if you're going to hold this thing, you're just going to have to put your faith that management knows what they're doing and that they can grow consistently quarter over quarter and year over year. That's the bottom line. Sometime, and look, it, it, may, it may not come back, okay? It may not come back. Um, in hindsight, was all this price action stupid? Yeah. I mean, $40 for a company with an EBITDA of what, $50 million a quarter? Um, come on. I mean, this it may, t- it may not come back. It, it, may, it may also just come back. It may take a while. Um, this is the, the challenge of investing, is, is trying to understand when you're right versus when you're just early. And there's no, unfortunately, I can't, no one else can tell you when to sell. Only you can tell yourself when to sell. Right, only you know how much pain you can really take. Now, you were at an all-time low prior to the the Russia invasion of Ukraine, so you've had a nice a nice couple of weeks there. You you've gone from two to you the stock has doubled in two weeks. Um, that doesn't make you feel very good, I'm sure. If you bought this thing at twenty or thirty or forty, I don't know when you bought this thing, um, but. This is not the environment we're in. We're not in, because it's, it's not just App Harvest. It's all of them. So is it being unfairly punished by association? Maybe, but it, call it what it is. It's a growth stock. It's ag tech. Tech being the key word there. Okay? Um, zero margin for error. That's the bottom line. You, you, you may just have to just wait this thing out or just write it off, honestly. Those are your options. Or or sell calls against it. I don't. I don't. I don't know. Yeah, maybe that's what you do. Just sell call. I have no idea what the options premium looks like on this thing. But um, yeah, I, I mean, I I I I I feel for you because this looks bad. It is bad, and I've got some stuff too that's been pretty brutal. I've got some stuff that's. Be- I mean, I've got heck. I got SoFi, which is that an, is that an all time low still. It was on Friday. Or not Friday, 
the the twenty fourth. That's what I meant. Um, yeah, this is brutal. This sucks. It sucks to be in a stock and be down. In my case, I'm down more than fifty percent. My cost base is like it's like twenty forty or something. Twenty fifty. What? Yeah. Right, and I'm down below ten dollars now. I've lost more than half my money on so far. This is why a, a week ago or, or two we were talking about uh, averaging down, and there's sometimes it makes sense to do to do it, and there sometimes it doesn't. So hard, I would say it, it makes sense to do it on a position where you're, you know, very, 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 uh, almost certain. You know, like I average down in spy because I know no matter what, spy's coming back. Right? If spy, yeah. I mean. Well, or, or 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 we're screwed. Or we're screwed. Yeah. Or we're screwed. Uh, yeah, of course. I don't know if App Harvest is coming back. So I don't know if I'm if I'm averaging down if this is me and App Harvest. I actually do think the company's really cool. I think the idea is really cool. My worry about it is agriculture, just like everything else in the U.S. It seems like uh, the big have been getting bigger, and the smaller have get. So if it ends up being true that like climate controlled. Farming is uh, lucrative. It makes sense yeah. from a business standpoint. There are going to be other people that do it. It's not like App Harvest has this whole idea of putting, uh, you know, growing crops in a dome yeah. under patent. You know, so it's, I don't even know who the biggest farms are in the country. Or the well, biggest, the, uh, or the Car- big, Cargill would be one, the biggest, and uh, just Car- ag yeah. stocks in general. Cargill and what's the other one, guys? Um, Driscolls. Where I buy my strawberries from? No, what, what's the what's the um, starts with an M, right? Um, I don't know. Whatever, Cargill is one of, is is the big one. What's uh? Do you follow this Yates Investing guy on Twitter? Uh, yeah, yeah, uh, yes, I think I do. He just tweeted the fact that the U.S. isn't even thinking about drilling oil in the U.S. is mind blowing. <laughs> and I'm like, what are you talking about? We drill more oil in the U.S. than like any. Anywhere. I don't know. We're at peak. We're almost at peak capacity of oil production. Like we're, we've been ramping it up over the past year. Uh, I don't know where people. Uh, he actually he's getting kind of grilled in the in the comments. Is he getting ratioed, as, as the kids say? No, he hasn't gotten ratioed. In fact, oh. most people agree with him, but there are people that are pointing out his. I I am definitely not an expert on the oil market, so I'm not, I I will not comment. They were so. just talking. I was uh, listening to it on uh, yeah. Del Monte is public, Dylan. Or they were talking about it on um, what's the NPR like daily econ show market update market uh, marketplace marketplace. Sure. They were talking about oil on marketplace. Oh, it's not Del Monte. What's the what's the public one? What's the other for uh, Dole? Where is Dole's public? Yeah, D O L E. Uh, that's what yeah. I was thinking of. Oops. Yeah. So again, the st- the takeaway in the app harvest conversation was know the difference between a trade and an investment. And if it really is an investment, if you're honest with yourself, you gotta be honest with yourself though. If it's really an investment, then treat it as an investment, and don't look at it every day, or every week, or every month. Okay. I don't look at SoFi every day. I don't. I look at it when someone else brings it up. Okay. That, that, that's the truth. What separates Warren Buffett from everyone else, what makes him the best investor of all time, is his tolerance for pain is legendary. The guy can take more pain than anyone else. Sometimes that's what it takes, okay? Yeah, he does more research on his companies that he invests in than I do, though. So I'm sure when he does have that pain, he, no, knows, I, I, he I, knows deep I, down. I, I got to say, I, I just don't agree with this comment. 
If you have an investment, a serious long-term investment, and you've done the research and you think it and you, you think it's sound, yeah, don't I'm not saying never check it. You should check it. But don't check it every day or every week or even every month. If it's a long-term thing, treat it like a long-term thing. You, you, you think I check my, what, I, I got VOO, right? You think I check my VU every other day? No. Uh, I don't even know where I bought it from because I'm, I'm always buying. I don't even know my cost basis. I have no idea. Because I don't care. I don't check Disney. I own that stock. It's a long-term thing. I don't check Disney unless somebody brings it up. I have no, I have no idea where Disney's at right now. No idea. I'm going to guess like 120. What is it? Is it 120? I'm just going to guess. I have no clue. Oh, it's at 134. I was pretty close. All right. So treat the long-terms as the long-term stuff. Treat the short-term stuff as the short-term stuff. Know the difference. That's half the battle. But be honest with yourself, though. How much pain can you take? I don't know the answer. Like, I, so far, I can take more pain on this. Now, will I have to start assessing, like, seriously asking questions of myself? If we get, get down to, like, five bucks, maybe, right? Because now we're talking losing three quarters. I mean, that's that's bad. Right? That's bad. That's why, first of all, that's why sizing is everything. My SoFi position is, like, started off as like 2% of my account, right? So at most, I'm losing 2% of my account. It's not going to kill me. Yeah, Sizing is everything. I guess what I will, So well, now it's like 1% of my account. <laughs> I guess when I brought up the oil, people are arguing about it in the chat. I'm looking at the stats right now. Um, a year ago, so March 2021, we had 544 active rigs. Rigs. Okay. Uh, that includes on land, offshore. We had 389 on land alone. Currently, we have 635 on land alone, 867 total, including offshore okay. uh, and Canadian rigs. So we're up. Uh, we're up in the U.S. from 403 to 650. So 247 more oil rigs active now than were a year ago. So I don't know how. Someone could say that we have limited or slowed down production of oil. Well, uh, the rig count is one thing, but how is the um, the, the barrels per day is up too? The actual okay. production. Okay. Yeah. I don't know. I'm just saying, like, I, I don't want to get in any political okay. arguments. I'm just saying the saying that we have slowed down oil production in the last year is just completely 100% false. Um, I know we're a long ways away, but I am just watching Bed Bath & Beyond to see if we end up going red. We're a long ways away from that. We'd have to fall down to 16 bucks for Bed Bath to go red. Um, that would be dramatic. But, hey, what's the midpoint here? 16 and the high was 30. What was the high? 32? 30, 30. Wait, come on. I can't see. I can't see. What was the high? Thirty-three. So what's the what's the midpoint there? Twenty. What's that? Math is hard. Twenty-four. Ish. Right. We've fallen more than more than fifty percent from the high of the day to the close on Friday. Whew. Tough. It's tough out there. All right. It's one o'clock on a Monday. You know what that means? It's time for Trend Spider. Let's bring Jake Wujastic on the show. Let us let him show us what he's watching. And y'all have any questions, any setups for Jake? He's a 
pure technician, much better at it than we are. So drop your tickets for him in the chat. Let's do it. Jake, how are we doing, man? I heard you guys got some snow over the weekend. Uh, yeah, we did. Things were going good. Uh, got more snow than uh, they were anticipating. And I was actually thinking about this yesterday. Every time they say we're not going to get much snow, we get a lot more. Reminds mm. me a lot about the markets uh, when everyone's saying <laughs> one thing's going to happen and then completely the other thing happens. So, uh, yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's March in Denver, though. So the snow melts within a day or two. Uh, so, um, you know, it was it was nice and uh, cloudy and snowy yesterday. So it kind of felt like winter. But, you know, with Denver, you'll be back in the 60s or 70s in a week. So, yeah, it was. Happened. It was 60s here yesterday, but I think we're, we're going to get your snow now, like tomorrow, which should be a lot of fun. But uh, let's bring the charts up on the screen. Kind of a wild day out there, Jake, a tale of multiple different markets. What are you seeing? This is the SPY. Walk us through these areas and, and what levels you're watching. Yeah, so, um, you know, with, with the S&P 500, uh, we're looking at SPY, which is the ETF. We're, we're in this just kind of very just – classic channel here. So prices have been hitting uh, lower lows as well as lower highs uh, shown by this green line with the lower lows and then the uh, red line with the lower highs. And so far today, uh, the main thing that was kind of a red flag was the fact that the volume weighted average price from this last time we tested the channel resistance, uh, excuse me, support zone, we broke through that and pretty much waterfall straight down from there. Um, and the thing is, this is a very news driven market right now. I mean, you, you do have uh, news driving a lot of things. Um, and, and sometimes it's hard to kind of figure out what's really moving the market. Um, and, and that's something generally you just have to deal with, you know, with oil, some of the things that are more global. But with the, the S&P 500, sometimes you're like, what is actually moving the market today? And so that's been kind of a tough thing uh, to to kind of deal with. Um, one thing you can use, we do have the news widget by Benzinga. Uh, so if you do want to look at most recent news on anything that you're looking at, just go to the widget, um, click on news here, and all the most recent news will come up. So if you're kind of trying to wonder what is driving the market, what, why did we get this random pop over the last 10 minutes? You know, there could be some, some things in the news that are driving the market. Uh, and not like not like news never drives the market, but this is definitely a more sensitive time for that. You've got oil prices just going crazy. Um, so so for now, you know, with any with any instance in the market, you just have to follow some of these patterns and these setups. So right now we are stuck just in the middle of this channel. It's it's really hard to pick a direction at this point. Um, you know, some people, if you're just playing horizontal levels, you'd probably uh, continue to be short below this uh, horizontal level around 427.50. Um, and uh, you know, if we do continue down, that's a long ways down to uh, to the bottom of this channel, which is uh, right around 400, give or take. Uh, one thing I will mention: anytime you're in a diagonal zone or line, that line is a function of time. So that line is moving as time goes by. So let's say the market absolutely just tanks today, which you'd probably hit a limit down if this happened. But if we went straight down today, you know, your, your uh, support zone would be around 400 to 402. Now, if this thing took 
a week or two to move down, then all of a sudden your uh, support zone is way down here in the 390s. So, so these levels are a function of time and you just have to kind of see how price is evolving rather than just saying, oh yeah, there's support down at 403 because that's right below the current day. Uh, if these things take time, those, those levels will change with, with time. Um, so, so yeah, with, with the S&P 500, you got a lot of uh, empty space below. So that's definitely a little bit of a red flag. Uh, and then just in general, I mean, these individual names are just getting absolutely destroyed. But if we were to look at, you know, the Qs, the Qs are also uh, getting hit pretty hard. Uh, there definitely was a little bit of a red flag last week when we did close below this, uh, this support zone. So you can see here, you've got this green zone. Um, and what I did was I actually was measuring what is, what is the volume weighted average price of this support of the, of this trend since this trend zone started. So what I did was I just measured the VWAP. So this blue line from the start of this trend zone, and you can see, not only did we break down through the trend zone last week, but now we're breaking down through the actual trend, uh, VWAP. So all in all, definitely not an incredibly strong look. If you were to look at an area below, the most logical one would be just this previous low that we saw a couple weeks ago, and that's right around 318.25 or so. Um, and uh, and really, you just uh, you just kind of have to follow the trend at this point. The, it, the markets are trending lower for sure. Um, you just have a lot of chop and a lot of news kind of throwing people off. I think a lot of the time. One thing that I will say is really interesting here. So your your main indices, your your S and P five hundred, your the Qs, IWM, all down. But if you go and look at uh, XBI, um, XBI is actually somehow kind of holding and is actually green for the day. And XBI is this, a, this is, is the biotech. Biotech, yeah, and biotech is one that uh, can definitely be looked at as a risk on risk off type of indicator. However. Uh, you know, that can change very quickly. Uh, the one thing that I'll point out here is if we do, this is the weekly chart. If we do break down through this longer term trend zone, uh, things could get pretty ugly and we could be retesting the COVID lows. And that's something that you're seeing a lot of, of the same on a lot of these charts. The COVID lows are going to be your next really important level below uh, for XBI, that being the low 60s. But for now, it is interesting to see this discrepancy between XBI and some of these other big uh, broad market uh, indices having a little bit of a uh, discrepancy there. Um, and then and then you did have Bitcoin green, at least for a little bit today, and then the market switched. So just because just because XBI is green right this second doesn't necessarily mean, you know, we're going to have a big week. It's just that there is there is definitely a little bit of a disconnect between XBI, which can be looked at as more of a risk on type of um, indice or index. So, Jake, how much of what's going, I mean, everything, with everything going on right now, I mean, you're on you're on FinTwit, uh, like, like I am, like we are here. When I open my Twitter now, it's like every other tweet, someone's like, this is about to get way worse. Global recession's about to hit, you know, whatever. I mean. To me, like I see all that, and it almost makes me bullish. Like seeing how like everyone, some you know, is so bearish. Do you feel the same way, or do you feel like oh, these people have a point that things 
could and will get worse. I mean, where's just your overall sentiment kind of standing right now? Are you just waiting and watching the charts? Um, yeah, it's, it's really, it's really hard to say. I mean, if you're just looking at, you know, the weekly and, and the monthly on some of these charts, it's really hard to be incredibly bullish. Um, however, uh, you do have something on Transpire that can help you at least get an idea of seasonal uh, cycles in some of these names. So for example, uh, you had the monthly candles closed last week. So if you look at seasonality, what's really interesting is if you're looking back uh, and, and seasonality can be used a lot like, you know, anchored VWAP, right? You want to, you want to measure the volume weighted average price from a specific point in time, whether that's a capitulation event, like the COVID lows, whether that's all time highs, you want to measure it from when the status quo kind of changed in the market. And so if you are looking at seasonality on a month by month uh, side of things, it's really interesting if you look at look at seasonality since 2009, which is pretty much when the financial crisis ended, give or take a couple, uh, or at least that's when we bottomed, give or take a couple months. I think uh, March 2009 was the absolute bottom. But you'll notice something interesting. April is actually a really strong month of the year. Uh, so could this be a month to kind of buy the dip into April? I think the issue is, is there's so much uncertainty around what the Fed is going to do. The market is priced in all of these interest rate hikes. And um, and I think uh, Spencer and I had talked about this. Uh, I don't know if we were talking about 2018 or 2016, but this still reminds me a lot of 2016, where uh, in 2015, they, they raised rates once in December of 2015. And then they said, we're going to raise rates like four more times in 2016. And everybody was anticipating a, a, a raise in March, and it didn't happen. And you've literally got that exact same thing now. People are anticipating, and that's because Powell pretty much said it's 100% guaranteed they're going to raise rates. But, you know, the way that oil has been rising, you don't, you know, if you raise rates in this type of environment, I mean, you, you're really just kind of putting the nail in the coffin for the, the recession. So, uh, long story short, I'm kind of waiting to see mainly what happens with Russia. And that's kind of that's kind of the issue is like if this Russia conflict gets worse, I really don't see oil prices uh, going down anytime soon. Um, but you you are at the point where oil is getting so expensive that, you know, some of these some of these. Uh, drilling sites around the world are starting to ramp up production, uh, which could add supply onto the market. And that's, you know, I think I saw somewhere in Africa said they were putting another um, uh, drilling site online. So that is something to definitely keep in mind is once you do get to this high of a price, you've got everybody trying to just pump as much oil as possible. Uh, the problem is, is it's a global price. So Well, know, something that I've, I found interesting is actually – there's something like 9,000 leases open right now that aren't being used for oil rigs in the U.S. Um, and it, it, it makes a good point. I read this article over the weekend saying, well, why aren't these companies hopping in and using these 9,000 uh, you know, leases to, to produce more oil? And basically the person who wrote this article was asserting, well, weren't if you were Chevron and oil prices are at all-time highs and like every – like." Things are pretty good right now. You just recorded record profits. I mean, even even about talking about before the pandemic, Chevron just reported better numbers in 2021 than they did in 2019. 
Why would you want to open new oil rigs and bring the bring the cost down? You know. Yep, exactly. So, you know, I don't think there's a lot of incentive to do that, you know, and I think at the end of the day, it's all about money, unfortunately, and these these companies are just worried about their bottom line. Um, and I think, you know, you you've definitely got incentives by the government or no incentive by the government to to uh, get into that side of things. And, you know, some of these companies may think, well, you know, we're we're living the dream now with high oil, but in two months when we get the rig actually online, oil may drop 20%. And then, you know, right. And it's not, it's not as simple for the companies to say, okay, we're gonna, uh, you know, move into this lease and start drilling oil tomorrow. It takes months to get, uh, you know, equipment, employees, everything in place. So that, that is probably a big part of it. And there's a reason why these aren't being used uh, and investments haven't been flowing into um, them in the past. So I don't know. I think it's fascinating. I think at, at some point, um, Hopefully not, but if things continue trending the way they are, at some point the administration will have to get involved and say, um, "Hey, we need you know you guys need to produce more. You guys need to you know bring costs down somehow because at some if we do, and this word's getting thrown out there right now, which it's a very scary word. I don't think it should be said lightly. But talking about stagflation, where you have you have inflation uh, in a recession, where basically the economy is shrinking or not growing." while uh inflation is rising um that's like as as bad as it gets Uh, bottom line we do not want that yep yeah and i actually said that yesterday i i mentioned you know i would be shocked if they actually raise rates in um in uh this month because exactly what you just said oil is already going the price of oil is already going to slow down the economy big time i mean i don't even want to like drive right now because i don't even want to go and see what i don't even know what gas prices are because i just like i don't oh you're out in denver i mean you're out in colorado they're probably like it's probably like four four thirty out there yeah i think my buddy said uh he paid like 529 in boulder for premium um so it's it's crazy that's that's going to slow down the economy anyways and and probably lower uh, you know, the euphoria of people just wanting to buy everything. All of a sudden, your costs go up and maybe you don't go buy that house that you're going to buy. And so you don't necessarily need interest rates to increase as well. You've got just essentially just this massive increase in people's budgets that just um, happen. Uh, think about uh, think about traveling and what airline tickets may look like in the next month. You know, sometimes there's a little bit of a lag there, but I mean, they oh, were already ex- they were already expensive. A couple, I actually flew out to Colorado over President's Day weekend, and they were expensive then. And, and not just, I mean, obviously going to Colorado for President's Day weekend that's a that's a you know busy weekend. But all across the board, I was looking, and, and flights were expensive. Um, so yeah, with, with with you know the cost of oil and and whatnot rising, I would expect the the airline tickets to continue to rise. Yeah. Yeah. And airlines have been getting absolutely destroyed. Um, and, yeah. You know, look, like, Southwest is down 7%. Is there like specific? Let me see if that's across the board. Yeah, it is. I the, think it's down like 6% today. Yeah. American Airlines oh, down Delta's 7%. down 10%. Who is? Wow. Delta. What is going on? I mean, do, do, do people just not want to fly in the in wartime? Uh, wow. I literally just looked at this and it's down like 5%. Um, I have no idea. I would assume that they're, you know, the market's pricing in a, a lack of demand from oil being so high, but, uh, yeah, that's, 
10% down on Delta. That is pretty nuts. Uh, I mean, I wonder if this is a buying opportunity. Like, flying's not going anywhere. People are still going <laughs> to buy plane tickets and, and travel. You know, it doesn't matter. You know, why? Yeah. Well, you got uh, this gap right here that just filled. Um, that's kind of the main thing that I'd be looking at is just the fact that this gap filled. Um, yeah, I mean, that's, that is oof, brutal. Absolutely brutal. Um, and, uh, I mean, from a technical perspective, it was, it was definitely an area where you just kind of had this triple top forming. Uh, in hindsight, it's easy to say, but, you know, that was, that was an area that this failed to get through. So, you know, some people maybe didn't get faked out like you would have if you closed above, let's say, 46 on Delta. Uh, so on, this market may be one to just keep looking at, um, you know, things to potentially short. The problem is, though, is with with the VIX so high, buying puts right now, puts are so expensive and calls are expensive. But the thing with with puts is if so, if you buy a put right now, they're incredibly overpriced uh, because the VIX is so high and that's across the board. Um, VIX, the volatility index affects options premiums, not just on the S&P 500, uh, contrary to a lot of people's uh, belief there. Uh, so what happens is if for some reason we absolutely explode the next couple of days or whenever it happens, one, your puts are going to get killed because you're, and it depends if you're buying really far out of the money puts, especially you're going to get killed Two, with the VIX absolutely getting destroyed. That's like a double whammy on your puts where um, with calls, you know, if the, if the market's tanking, at least your calls are, are becoming more expensive too, because the volatility index is up. And then once, once the market rips, generally you'll have a big move in some of these names where sometimes that, that implied volatility crush will, from the VIX will be offset by just the big move up in price. And that will increase the IV. So, um, with puts, it's really hard right now because the VIX is so high, you know, puts, uh, puts go both ways when the market turns. The volatility gets crushed, and and like I said, it depends on how far out of the money you're at. If you're buying some crazy far out of the money put for like Friday, and the market reverses, not only are you getting hit by the put going the wrong or the market going the wrong way, but you've got the implied volatility getting crushed, and that's just going to double kill your put. So puts are definitely uh, the way to go right now, but. Um, you know, it's one of those things where if you're not day trading them, you're really kind of putting yourself at a, a little bit of a, uh, a risk of just waking up one morning and all of a sudden the market's up 3%. Um, so like I was going to mention Netflix here could be a potential uh, one to break down. You've got a pretty classic descending triangle. Interestingly enough, you haven't broke this previous low. Uh, and actually Netflix is doing relatively well considering the market. Uh, and I don't know, maybe the market just ripped when we we're talking two minutes ago. That's right at this point, but yeah, uh, Netflix is holding pretty well. Um, so it's kind of interesting to see some of these names, but I mean, you're, you're pretty much at the apex of this descending triangle. And a lot of people ask me, well, what typically happens here? Well, it, they're, they're really, some patterns have a bias, but a lot of the time you just have to wait for the price to tell you the direction. And it's, and we talk about this a lot, I think, when I come on, if then, right, if we break down and close below this low from January 24th, then this is probably going to continue a lot lower. And you have to look pretty far left to see maybe the next areas to watch. And 
there's not a lot of like really horizontal levels below. I mean, the next level, the main level below is your COVID low down here in the 290s. Um, I guess you could throw this pivot here as a potential area below if we break down, let's say around 340. But, um, you know, Netflix is one that I think regardless of which direction the price breaks, you're going to have a pretty big move. Um, and that's just an if then, right? If we break above this resistance zone, um, call it 375 in the next day or two. Like I said, if we just chop around for three more days, then that line's going to be at like 369. So over time, this price level is decreasing and decreasing. Um, but if we wanted to break through it today, we'd really need to get like above 378 and close above it. Um, so this one would possibly be on your, your list of uh, companies that are is going to have a big move and you just kind of have to put your uh you know put your levels in and, and the price will dictate that direction um now one thing that's interesting is when oil gets this high uh you do have some names on the sustainable energy side of things actually doing okay uh blnk is one that actually still has higher lows from the uh, january low and you actually have a decent day here today um so this is like an ev charging station so any alternative energy uh stocks are likely going to probably do better than uh some other names because all of a sudden what used to be a really expensive alternative with oils this high all of a sudden evs and ev charging stations become you know kind of economical um uh, so blnk is one first solar is another one uh this one's doing relatively well. I mean, it's up 6% today compared to um, a lot of the other names out there that are just getting crushed. Uh, and obviously, you've got your oil names that are continuing to trend here. I mean, ExxonMobil just continues to hit new highs. Uh, <laughs> B is another one that uh, is having a really strong day today. So, so yeah, I mean, you got to look at what's trending for sure. But keep in mind, when oil becomes this, this elevated you do actually have sometimes these green energy companies do pretty well because all of a sudden they they can compete with uh even though they're technically more expensive and, and a more expensive alternative when oil becomes this expensive sometimes they're not uh, so solar you know ev charging stations I think Neo was up decent today for a little bit. I don't know what it's at now. Yeah, I mean, Tesla was up today, and then it went red, and it actually has dumped off kind of in the last, like, 10, 15 minutes as we've been talking. But, I mean, I would agree. I would, you would think the trend with high gas price, I mean, how many times, you know, are you going to pass the gas pump at $4 before you say, screw this, I'm getting a, an electric car? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think the problem, though, is, and somebody mentioned this in a comment on Kathy Wood's post, <laughs> Oh man, I feel bad for her. Honestly, I, I she's had some interesting calls uh, in the last several months. I mean, part um, of making really bold claims is you subject yourself to criticism and ridicule when those bold claims. Yeah, either... and, and one of the arguments, fair arguments, is sure, oil's really expensive right now. But what about all the metals that go into making an electric vehicle and making these batteries and all that? those prices are still going up just with oil. So um, that's, that's definitely an argument that I, I thought was pretty clever uh, on one of her, on one of her posts that I think it was a shy girl um, who's incredibly good at what she does. Um, oh yeah. We've had her on the show. Uh, yeah. She does a lot of dark, dark pool stuff. 
Uh, I don't think or, so. No, she's no, no, very, no, no. She's very much on oil. Like she, her oil yeah. Thing, and she's really. I gotta big. reach back out to her because we've had her on the show before. I was thinking of someone else that does the dark pool stuff, but yeah, we've had Shy Girl on. She's great. Yeah, so she had mentioned that in the post. She was like, "Well, look at all the metals that go into making an electric vehicle. Those aren't dropping." Um, so I mean, I wonder. Yeah, like if Tesla's production cost of production for a car goes up a certain amount, if they can pass that off to the customer or if they're stuck eating it. Because I'd imagine, um, I mean, with every, with inflation and everything, say a, a Model Y or whatever is $80,000. I'd imagine they'd get away with, okay, 85, 90, sure. But then you, you get to a point where you start pricing out customers. Yeah. And if materials, like you're explaining, keeps rising, maybe there's a point where it's not even profitable. To, to make a car and sell it for what they're able to sell it for. Yeah, and that's where... I mean, we're probably still a ways away from it. You know, that's where stagflation comes in. You've got, you've got all these prices rising. The economy is definitely not growing enough and, and willing to absorb these types of price increases within a month. I mean, prices have been going up pretty much nonstop. Uh, but especially, I mean, the sticker shock when I go to the gas station finally, because I... Like I said, I don't drive that much. I work from home. Uh, generally, you know, since we have a baby, we don't have to go very far because you know, 30 minutes in a car with a baby is uh, a long time for them. So we don't really use too much uh, gas. And so when I go and fill this thing up for the first time in two weeks or whatever it is, I'm going to be definitely in sticker shock. And you know, uh, what. I'm back. We're hey, Jake, back. we're back. I don't know what happened. Oh, I don't know. What we, happened. we we had a glitch in the matrix there. Oh, wow. Maybe somebody that, wasn't happy with that what was, we were talking about. That was scary, man. We just lost everything for oh, a minute. Yeah, that was, that, that was definitely a KGB cyber attack. <laughs> okay, I was, wonder, I was wondering if it was just me, but I'm, I guess it was everyone. No, not just you. Okay. Um, yeah. Proton, know. don't say, we don't say the name of the site yeah. we use to stream, right? Yeah. So what I guess what I was saying is, you know, we're getting to a point where, uh, you know, stagflation is almost a guarantee. You've got high prices, uh, you know, and, and a lot of people are arguing, well, these high prices are for monetary policy. Yeah. Over the last uh, two years, you know, since COVID definitely has not helped pumping a ton of money in. But I mean, go go try to get some chicken wings at a at a restaurant. What are they going to tell you? There's a supply shortage of chicken wings. It's not. Sorry, guys, the Fed has been pumping so much money. Our chicken wing prices are going up. I mean, people are literally mentioning their supply side issues, their shortages. And that's definitely a tr and that's something I actually kind of agree with Kathy. What about she's mentioned this as well. It's, you know, uh, maybe more supply chain than just printing money. Printing money doesn't help. I mean, go look at real estate, go look at the stock market. That definitely created these bubbles, but pricing of goods, I think definitely is, is partially due to uh, some of these supply chain issues and 
they're clearly not going away with these geopolitical issues. So we'll see what happens. But all in all, it's, it's really hard for me to be too bullish right now. Um, and, and just based on what you're seeing in the news, it just doesn't look like there's a quick resolution to what's going on. I think Putin um, is absolutely crazy. Uh, and I think he just, uh, you know, I don't think he he's lost his mind. I think he knows exactly what he's doing. He's just playing chess, uh, you know, with this whole situation. And um, which Russia does have a pretty long and strong history of coveted chess players. Yeah, yeah. I, I he's definitely playing chess. I mean, he knew he's he knew exactly what, he knew that Europe was completely dependent on their oil. What a time to to do this when you've got a lot of leverage. So, um, you know, the guy's definitely not stupid. He's he's a horrible, evil person, but he's definitely not stupid. Um, he knows exactly what he's doing. And that's why I don't think this is going to be a quick resolve of okay, let's go meet and unless unless but you. Ukrainian president just says, okay, we'll, we'll give up everything, whatever, maybe, but I don't think that's going to happen either. So just a weird time. A lot of, uh, a lot of charts pretty much broken right now, but you know, we'll we'll see what happens in the next couple of days for the weekly candle and go from there. All right. Well, Jake, we appreciate you coming on as always. If you guys want more from Jake, you can find him on Twitter. Uh, Jake, remind us the handle because I know we we changed it in the past uh, couple months. Yep, yep. So it's uh, well, if you want to follow uh, Trend Spiders, um, Trend Spiders accounts at Trend Spider. Uh, mine is at Jake under two underscores underscore underscore uh, Wajastic W U J A S T Y K. So Jake underscore underscore Wajastic, and I post a lot of you know things. And a lot of these charts, I'm not always trading it's it's more or less trying to provide charts for people to check out and get a new perspective i mean i I post a lot of charts it would be uh, very inefficient for me to try to post all them but hopefully they're helpful and um you know i try to be uh, completely neutral in in everything i post and if you want 25 percent off trend spider go to trendspider.com use the code bz25 25 percent off jake always a pleasure man thanks for coming on see you guys all right, and just like that, yeah, look we, at the chip stock. I heard you talking about the chip stocks earlier. Just keep getting wrecked. Uh, yeah. Ralph Lauren down. Dude, freaking PVH! Oh my god, what we're, is PVH? It's a retailer. We're gonna bring on Chris Dupree right now, but before we Wait, do, hold, before we bring on Chris, I also yeah. uh, I had something else real quick. Holy cow, PVH getting what is sm- PVH? It's a re- It's a freaking mall retailer. I don't know. Like it's like a store. They, like you can walk into a PVH, and I've just never heard of it. They, they, they own uh, what do they own? Oh, okay, Philip Philip oh, Van he, Phil okay. Van, yeah, they own Iza, okay. Tommy Hilfiger, Calvin okay. Klein. Now, okay, yeah, it's Philip Philip Van Heusen. That's what PVH stands for. Philip Van Heusen. Thank you. Okay, you're welcome. What was the uh, what's the other uh, or not the other, but the luxury? It's like LM or LVMH. Well, that's 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 Louis Vuitton. That's Louis Vuitton. Yeah, it's Tennessee. Yeah, that's a different. Uh, category really. This is more of like because that that's that's luxury goods. This is not luxury goods. No, this I, is just I know. Luxury, I, yeah. do, I know. It just reminded me of that and that whatever that uh, what Louis Vuitton announced, they were shutting down a lot of Russia stores. I believe. Oh my god! Uh, but I, I, what I was gonna say real quick before Chris yeah. hopped on. Um, so I have been. So if you have a brokerage account with less than twenty five thousand dollars, and it is not a cash account, meaning that you are using margin. Um, you only have a certain amount of day trades you can make in a week, or I think it's four day trades in, or four day trades in, in five trading days. Um, 
I hit my fourth today on Robinhood because mm. uh, my buddy Brett Simba is doing a like small account challenge this week. And I was like, oh, it'd be fun. I'm just going to like play along with him. And I texted him and I'm like, yo, how can I play along with this? Not play along. How can I follow along in this challenge if you're doing a lot of day trades and I don't have 25,000 in my account? And it's specifically a small account challenge. And he's like, dude, I've told you for like months to just get off Robinhood and like make a cash account somewhere else. So I was like, all right, you're right. That was stupid for me to ask because he had told me that. So I finally decided today and I just closed all my positions. Um, oh. But then I bought the Lockheed Martin put and I mentioned you that I couldn't you sell it. You can't quit. You can't quit. But I just tried to because I wanted to see what would happen and it let me sell it. I don't know if Robinhood's just glitching or they like just screwed up, but. The whole point was that I hit my four day trades. I was not supposed to be allowed to buy a stock and sell it in the same day, but I just did. Dude, dude, don't ask me. I'm not asking I, you. I, I, I think I, it's I, weird. I, I don't I know. Can't, if, I, I can't explain that. I can't. I, can't I, I don't know. I'm going to try it again, though, and see what happens. Oh, man. All right. It's time to bring on Chris Capri. If you don't, if you don't know who Chris Capri is, if you're not in the Benzinga Options uh, trading school, um, frankly, I should be there. It, the problem is I want to be in that, but I also like do my job, and I can't do both at the same time. It's difficult. Maybe Chris can tell me how I can do both at the same time. But Chris Capri runs the Benzinga Options trading school. We're going to put the link up in the, in the chat uh, and on screen right now. But uh, he joins us every single Monday, and let's get him on the show. Chris Capri. What's up, man? How are we doing? What's going on? What's wrong? How was your weekend? You can be in by watching the recordings. I know. That's all the live sessions. And that's you what I should do. I should just watch the recordings during your weekends. And Wait, they're all saying my account tomorrow. is dead tomorrow. I don't know. Uh, Aaron, I, I don't know if Chris knows either. I don't know. Uh, I'm going to go try to figure this out. I'll let the adults be. Oh, gosh. All right, Chris. What's up, man? How's your weekend? Good. Yours? It was okay. It was okay. It's okay, you know. Uh, a little bit hard to, um, sometimes hard to keep the mood up when I just see like depressing stuff happening over in Ukraine. But uh, you know, there's uh, this, I, I, I've I've had to trade through a lot of events yeah. like this, believe it or not. Like one of my first major events on the desk when I was a broker at FXCM was the London terrorist bombings. It's an incredibly sad situation. There's no doubt about it. But we also have a job as traders, which is to manage the risk, manage portfolio, and make sure we're positioning ourselves for opportunities. And so in terms of things, from my experience, things that are outside of your control, it doesn't do a whole lot of good to get too upset about it or to let it kind of kind of control your or drive your mood because you can't control it. And if you let things that are outside of your control kind of dominate your mood, then you are controlled by exterior events. Yeah. That's true. If you maintain like your own inner sense of balance, like you can still feel empathy for the situation and sadness, you know, at the the loss of life. And, you know, after thousands of years, we still choose violence instead of like diplomatic solutions or something like that. Like we can feel sad about that for sure. And that's something that's, you know, can be turned into being an appreciation for the things that we do have that are good. But at the same time, we can't let everything in the world that's bad or sad. Like You're totally right. Because You're totally do, right, man. Run over by it. You, so you, think you, you, yeah. you, you, you'll never you live your life. You you'll never live your life. There's always going to be something. Yes, so. always. There's, I, I've gone through a lot of these trading events, and you, you can't let them control you. You have to take it, digest it, and then move on. And so be okay. set for it. 
You can donate if you want to and things like that. But focus on the things that are within your control. And that is much easier for you to work with than the things that are outside of your control. Okay, so you've traded through a lot of crap. I, I, I want to ask you, because we've got a war, we have a rate hike, and we are coming out of uh, dealing, st still dealing with the effects of a pandemic. Um, is this time different? Dun, dun, dun. Uh, yes and no. Uh, okay. And so this is, there's a lot of variables in here that kind of are presenting themselves as if, Hey, this is, you know, this has a lot of the precursors to a potential bear market. You know, you look at, it's not just meme stocks. There's a lot of stocks that are good companies that are down 60, 70, 80. I know it's pretty wild. Highs. That's generally, you know, that's generally not uh, what you would consider strong breath by any means. It's, it's inherent weakness. And that's just before we've even raised rates. So, you know, this is kind of a, a interesting kind of combination of pieces that are all kind of causing, you know, problems. You have rates, you have Russia, you know, the pandemic, there's some, the main issues with the pandemic now more are mostly supply chain issues. There are social yep. issues for sure, but supply chain issues, but yep. some stocks would do well in that environment. Some stocks won't. And so the Russian rates thing, now that is constantly dragging on the market. And from an options positioning perspective, what we're seeing is that traders are just not, they're keeping their long puts. And remember, long puts are a negative delta trade. So when you're long puts and it's a negative delta, that pulls liquidity out of the market. And if you think about it like this, it's very simple. So you have traders, you have dealers, and then there are wait, initial uh, wait, delta Wait, is, is there some sort of visual aid here? Oh, yes. Or, yes sure. Okay. I normally, I, I was good on that for a week. That's okay. That's okay. <laughs> okay. So let's see. Take a look at that. You should see this. Let me know when you got it. Yeah. We good okay. to go. So my... if we look at it like this, let's uh, delete this here and let's move this over. It's very straightforward. So you have traders position, dealers position, and then delta hedging, right? Okay. So if traders are long puts, we put this for a plus P. Mm -hmm. The dealers are short puts. They're on the other side of that transaction. So they're short puts. Now, dealers don't want directional exposure. They just want to get their spreads and they want to neutralize all their positions. So what are they going to do? Well, a short put has risk to the downside. So how do they how do they delta hedge that risk to the downside? They short shares. Okay. And as long as this is in the market, as long as traders are holding their long puts, dealers will stay short puts. They have to stay short shares to hedge those short put positions. Now that's problematic in a couple of ways. One, it means that when the market sells off, the short shares actually start pulling liquidity out of the market. And you don't want to pull liquidity out of the market when the market's selling off, that exacerbates the downside. Plus it also forces the market to be in a negative gamma environment. So if like you or I have a long call at 50 Delta, and we have a short call on a stock at you know 25 delta. Even though we have one long call and one short call, we're still long 25 deltas. We have a net long position. When you summate all the puts and calls together, that creates an environment of positive or negative gamma. Positive, uh, we're either long options or we're short options. And so we are in this environment where two out of every three options is a put. And so that means we're in this negative gamma environment that's continuing to dominate. So as long as that remains, we are going to continue to see this environment that's going to be marred by volatility. The puts are still going to be in control. 
And traders are going to keep holding puts until they feel like this situation is resolved. If you have a long or portfolio or mostly long portfolio, and you've been in this for a long time and you've seen markets like this, you're keeping downside insurance because the Fed may increase rates more than ever. The geopolitical situations in Russia may exacerbate. There's a lot of bugaboos out there that would say, you know what? Now's a good time to have insurance. Just like if it's a really dry winter, you need extra protection protection for fire insurance, say in California, because the yeah. chance of fire increases. Right. So protection costs go up. You know, we have a high VIX right now. And traders are just not closing their puts. What open interest changes suggest they rolled their puts further out. That's not what you want. You don't want traders rolling puts further out and at lower strikes because that adds to the bearish pull to the market. If we see calls going up and we see puts going up, the market tends to ladder itself up. But if you see calls coming down, which is what we're seeing, and we see puts come down, then tends to ladder the market down because you're pulling the liquidity and everything down with it. And that's what we're seeing right now in spies. So, you know, last week, this was mostly a VIX rally. VIX sold off, which creates an implied volatility crush, which creates what we call a Vanna rally. But these only last two, three days on average, maybe one day. And so we had everybody thinking, oh, the bottom's in, the market's going to start ripping. No, we're still in negative gamma. That's why we couldn't get past this, because there isn't much call interest beyond 440. Above 440, calls dominate, but only to a small amount. But below 430, puts below 440, puts dominate, and there's a larger amount of puts. So that means that the markets will have a bias to the downside. We did cover this in our um, weekly newsletter for Benzing Option School members. We do a weekly newsletter. We also do pre-market commentary Monday through Thursday. And so we covered this in our weekly newsletter. But um, yeah, that's kind of what's going on right now. So markets are going to maintain fragility. And I don't see traders unwinding that protection until we get a little more clarity on rates. If the geopolitical situation kind of stays where it is, then I feel like traders kind of know how to deal with that. But there's still the unclarity of rates coming in. And as long as that's there and that's on the 16th, I was so going to say, you know, the buildup in positions is on the 18th. That's what the biggest expire rate now in spies and queues is the 18th. So and that's, that's not that, that, that's not a coincidence. First off, the 16th is right as you said. Uh, it's, we're we're going to get clarity on the yes. rate on the rate policy, uh, and it's not so much a question of will they raise rates. They're going to raise rates, probably a quarter point. Uh, anything more than that would be a huge shock. But it's a question of what do they say going forward, right? Uh, yeah, how how high are they going to go? And then and it's not a coincidence though that the Friday after the 18th is your major, your largest. Um, what coalescence your largest options expiration because that's people but i guess chris wouldn't it also make sense that the this friday would be an especially big one as it kind of is the last your last chance to get any like for the weeklies but i don't know you may you may see some positions be built but it's not going to change the overall structuring of the positioning traders have been holding insurance quite for quite a while now you know a lot of these positions have been held for quite a while and you just saw some of them rolled forward a little bit, but it's still overall two out of every three options on spies right now is a puts. Like prior to today, I haven't looked at today's, but prior to today, spies had 5.9 million puts and 5.9 million calls and 12 million puts. Oh my so gosh. Out, over two out of every three. Now, right now, only 10 to 15% of spy options are expiring on the 18th. And that's due to some of them buying protection further out, which means that traders are thinking. So 
but maybe we get clarity on rates, but the Russia situation is going to cause further problems. So, yeah. So wait, wait, what you're outlining here, Chris, like as you, I forget the word you use, but it's kind of like a, like a stair step downward, right? Where, you know, um, bearish bets sort of beget more bearish bets because then the dealers have to hedge uh, their own, the other sides of the trade that that they've taken with the people taking bearish bets. Um, but like what happens then, like explain to us the mechanics as to how that flips. Like, let's just say some, some event happens and the war ends tomorrow or the fed says some, whatever they're going to say and the market likes that, whatever it is. And so the thing just flips out. Like what, what happens though? What has to happen to make that, that stair step dynamic down flip on its head. Okay. So let's, let's just think about this here. So yeah. Tree is the T is the trader dealer is the dealer. And this is the Delta hedging that the dealer has to do. Okay. Right. So if the trader is long puts and they're holding long puts, a dealer is short puts. That means the Delta hedge, they're going to short shares. How much that'll be based upon the deltas. So if traders are buying 50 Delta puts, which is actually when your long puts puts have a negative Delta to them, right? So they're buying 50 Delta puts. The dealer is actually long 50 deltas and they have to hedge that by the amount of shares that the delta is of the position. So let's say you, let's say you, Spencer, come in and you buy a hundred spy puts. Okay. You buy a hundred spy puts. Okay. You're long a hundred spy puts at 50 deltas. The dealer is short those hundred spy puts, puts at 50 deltas as well, right? So they have a positive delta, you have a negative delta. How do they offset this? Because the risk is to the downside. How do they offset the market selling off? Because if the market sells off, those puts are gonna lose money. They don't wanna lose money. They wanna hedge all their positions algorithmically so that the market goes up or down, doesn't really matter. Yeah. They collect spreads on this. So they're gonna be short shares, how much? 5,000. They're gonna be short shares, they're gonna be short 5,000 shares. One contract is 100 shares, 10 contracts is 1,000 shares. 100 contracts is 10,000 shares. At 50 deltas, it's 5,000 shares. This is actually, we have an entire lesson on all this in the Benzinga Option School. Now, let's think about this for a second. If all of a sudden the Fed provide, or it's February 16th, the Fed comes out and says, hey, we, you know, we're gonna raise it a quarter point, or, you know, a quarter point or 25 basis points here. We are only considering the situations with Russia and inflation. We are only gonna raise rates three times this year. That would be less hawkish than people expected. So let's say the market interprets that as, hey, this is less hawkish. It's not as bad as we thought. Things are workable. What are they gonna start doing? They're gonna unwind those short puts or those long puts, which means the dealers can unwind their position, which means that dealers unwind their short share hedges by buying shares. Buying shares provides liquidity to the market. Selling shares takes away liquidity to the market. So because you have this kind of spring loaded to the downside, the more the spring gets loaded to the downside, if the market does flip, then you're flipping a lot more positions. And that would actually create a tailwind for equities. So if the FOMC comes out and traders are still holding two out of every three options on spies as a put, well then if the market flips all that, then that stuff gets flipped on its head, the hedging impacts get flipped on its head and we'd see a rally. VIX will come down, that'll further exacerbate the rally to the upside. It's called a Vanna rally. The dealers are buying shares back that will unwind the long puts. Those rallies, they'll only last so long. We would need traders to come in buying calls. And if real money traders come in buying shares and buying calls, then we'll get a good pop in equities. 
But if it comes out and they're not changing their overall open interest in flows and they want to keep protection, that will keep that pressure on the market. So does that make sense how this all works out? It does to me. I hope it does to everyone watching as well. So wait, let's let, let's run through a couple. Like we've been talking about the spy this whole time, but let, let's find a different market here. Let's talk. Okay. Let's talk okay. about. Let's talk. Yeah, whatever else is on your radar, and if anyone has any tickers as well for 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 Chris, drop them in. But what is that? Yeah. X- okay. So let's take a look at this. So XME, I've had a long in XME okay. for quite a long time in my long term portfolio. Been long around forty two, forty three. We just closed our XME. Why? When I looked at a lot of the commodity stocks that everybody's been talking about, you've seen that they've had just kind of, you know, amazing face rips on this. I mean, this is impressive. You know, this is oh, yes. steady gains. But then look at this. One, two, three, four, five, six, six days of gains. And the stock went from, you know, 48 up to 60. That's what a 25 percent gain over six, seven sessions. Many of the commodity stocks, the material stocks like XME, BTU, V-A-L-E, all of them have had similar things. But the thing is, all of them were getting a little bit overextended. And after a certain point, dealers don't have to hedge anymore to the upside. So they're not exacerbating the upside anymore. And so we've gotten to a place in a lot of these stocks where dealers are fully hedged. They don't need to buy any more shares to hedge these long call position type things. And so now that that's kind of, they've all gotten overextended, you're seeing today a lot of them have sold off pretty aggressively. You know, XME down, BTU down quite heavily. Um, you look at VAL, has been holding, but it's definitely pulling back. And so you're seeing a lot of these commodity stocks, DBC also pulling back. So a lot of them are looking overextended. It's definitely not a question of the share volume because share volume has been strong. Some of them even going up into this. So the share volume's there. So them pulling back has nothing to do with share volume. Traders are buying it in shares. It's just that there's hedging impacts and the option flows are like, eh, you're a little overextended. We really can't, there's not much more fuel to the upside because we've kind of maxed out, you know, topped out a little bit here. So I suspect a fair amount of these are going to start pulling back soon this week. And then I think that'd be healthy. I think many of these pulling off, pulling back would be healthy because then we'll reset the options board a little bit. You know, if you have long calls here, most likely these are one delta calls at this point. And one delta calls are incredibly sensitive to price because remember, they're moving at a one to one relationship with the stock. So if the stock moves up a dollar, your option goes up a dollar in premium. But if it goes down a dollar, it goes down a dollar in premium, which makes it much more sensitive to pullbacks. And so you start to get these pullbacks if they're strong enough. If you had a long call that was a one delta, you know, at 55, Maybe it was $5 in premium, $6 in premium, $7 in premium, $8, $9 in premium. And all of a sudden it's down $3 in premium in one day. You might be like, hey, I need to pull my long call out. Long calls come out. That pulls the market back a little bit. So that's kind of what we're seeing right now in the commodity space. Oil is still obviously a pressure, but some of them just got a little too far and the positioning a little too stretched. It means it's much harder for them to make gains. It needs more money to do it. And we're just not seeing that at this point. Yeah, a lot of dynamics playing out. A lot of uh, competing dynamics, like macro dynamics, market dynamics, trying to compete with each other right now. It's There's a lot of weird, weird. There's a lot of happening. contraindicating forces in the markets right now. There's a lot, you know. And so when you have these contraindicating forces, 
my playbook that I've been telling my Benzinga Option School members and my Second Skies members is hold downside protection through the 18th. As to other things right now, well, try and do a little bit more day trading on these because with negative gamma, negative gamma increases volatility up and down, both sides. And so you might see a rip and be like, oh, this is the bottom, this is it. And then also the market rips down just as easily as it did before. Spy showed us that last week. You know, Spies was looking good one day, ripping this day. It was totally ripping this day. And then it was almost looking like it was going to break out. But then it completely failed. And the sell-off was pretty much as much as the buy-up. The market has that capacity in negative gamma to sell off as much as it does buy up, maybe even more because of the traders, the option dealers, when they hedge their positions, they are pulling liquidity out of the market. That exacerbates the downside. So traders had a chance to really build some goodwill in the markets, and we're just not able to do that right now. And so anytime you have contraindicating forces, it's like you have people pulling from tugging at the same rope from different directions. And that pulls the rope all the way around in the different directions. So instead of trying to swing through a lot of this, my suggestion is day trade, make your money on the rip higher or lower, get out, don't hold it overnight, the risk is too much, while holding downside protection in spies through the 18th. And then after that, we'll have some clarity to see, hey, what's going on with rates? How are we, how are we digest that? What's the market's reaction to that? You know, what are they interpreting this as? Then we can reassess. But for right now, holding things overnight, definitely not the playbook on most things. Some commodities maybe, but you're going to see some massive sell-offs in commodities. And, you know, XME is a great example of that. Like it's down almost $3 on the day. It is down from its highs over $3. It's lost a full day's worth of gains in the first three hours of trading. So not worth it to let things get overextended. That's the playbook. Yeah, right now. Take, take your money and run is I think the, a good philosophy, a good way to just approach this. Don't cause we've been just choppy. You can look overall market. We've been choppy for like, it's been like five months now of chop, right? There's really no, no trend. So well, there has been a trend on the weekly. The weekly has been pretty bearish. Spies has sold off. All right. All right. I'll give you that. Yeah. I'll give you that. Yeah. Three, I'll give four, you that. Five, six, seven, eight, nine. Assume this sure. week closes bearish. We've sold off sure. four out of the last, you know, six weeks. Yeah. All so right, there all definitely right. is um, a trend in the markets, but it's not the the choppiness you're seeing is is that there's greater weakness in the individual tickers than there is in the spy as a whole. You know, yeah. Apple's still yeah. maintaining some of its gains. Some of the biggest holdings in the S and P 500 are still maintaining some of their gains. But a huge majority of the stocks in the, in the S&P 500 and in NASDAQ, they're selling off really aggressive. Some of them are down 50, 60, 70, 90% from the 52-week highs. So uh, that's going to drag on the market. All right. A question in the chat here. Can we talk DWAC options maybe? I don't know. Can we? Sure. Why not? Let's do it. We've got a few minutes. Let's do it. Yeah. And also, I'd be curious to, to see. Uh, I, I thought I, someone said this morning that uh, Bay Bath Beyond blew through all its strikes. Is that still the case, or uh, we can take a look at BBB? Well, not, yeah, not we now, actually because uh, it's during my uh, live session this morning with the Benzing Option School members and with my Second Sky members. I said BBBY is a short. It, like literally, as soon as the market is open, I'm like, yeah, this is a short. It's it's overshot. It's there's no option interest at this point, and it's just it's just overextended at this point. Like implied volatility was like super high right out of the gate, which means that the options are more expensive. So. 
it requires more capital to do that. So DWAC prior to today had 147,000 calls, 173,000 puts, slightly put, you know, biased. And of all those options, you're talking 320,000 options, about 20% of them are rolling off for the March 18th expiry. So we're going to see a little bit of adjusting of the options board. But DWAC to me from an options position, let me look at today's options real quick on DWAC and see what's floating at. But when I look at the positioning of DWAC, I think 100 is just too much. And I think that's why we stalled here. Like the option flows are suggesting there isn't enough fuel for it to get beyond 100. And so I think that's why we stalled. You know, we really stalled there. Like, why do we stall there? You know, the share volume was good, but it just couldn't get through it. So I think traders that are long calls from here are unwinding those positions. And so, yeah, today options volume is strong on DWEC. 82,000 options on a 320,000 option stock. That's, you know, 25% roughly of the total options volume. It's almost dead even though. 42,000 calls, 40,000 puts. So yeah, my guess is if there's strong option flows on the days and yet we're selling off, I think what we're seeing is a combination of traders buying puts. Maybe traders are long shares down here or somewhere up here. They're buying puts as protection. I think traders are also selling calls, which is a negative delta trade. So both of those don't help the upside at all. So yeah, yeah, DWAC is a little vulnerable right now. Where do I see potential support coming in? Hedging impacts aren't really favorable until you start getting to like 79.80, which is right around here. Well, so let's, just look at, let's look at Bed Bath. I'm sorry. We... Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, no, I was going to say, let's look at Bed Bath quickly here. Sure. just want to see where that's at. I haven't looked at Bed Bath in like a half hour or more than a half hour, so I don't even know at where it is. At this point, right it's probably going to unwind almost all of that, you know? Um. All right, so think. prior to today, BBBY had 187,000 calls and 130,000 puts. So roughly 310,000 options on the day. Uh, or 310,000 options prior to today. It's traded 626,000 options. Ooh. It has a little index of 66. I've never seen a reading that high. In other words, the total option volume on the day, 231,000 calls, 395,000 puts, is over double. It's like double the prior open interest. That's insane. And so absolutely insane. In the very first five, five, like two minutes, like six out of every seven options was a call. But then shortly after it started to sell off, you saw traders buying puts on that and getting long puts on that because now put volume is almost double call volume. So at this point, I would probably say it's a pretty good guess that it's going back to 18, maybe 17. Yeah. Wow. It, it, prior to today, only 10% of the options were expiring March 18th. And so, yeah, this we told our members right from the open, this thing's going to unwind. And that's pretty much what's been happening. Oh, so. What's happened. Guys, yeah. if you want more Chris Capri, you should definitely check out the Benzinga Options Trading School. I put the link up in the chat and on the screen, but I'll, I'll, put, it in, I'll put it in the chat again one more time uh, for you all to see it. It's literally just click on this link that I'm putting in there right now. And you get you get a lot more Chris, basically. You get Chris every day, live and recorded. Um, there's the link on the screen. There it is. All right, in the chat. And not me. just live and recorded. We go over all our students' trade ideas. You know, so imagine having a trade idea and then being like, hey, Chris, can you do some analysis on this and thinking about it and like going through the open interest and the flows and the overall market gamma? 
I do that for all my members trades. Like we get to go through them every single day and then I can be like, wow, this is a great trade, but move your strike over here. Wow. Maybe you want to extend it to this expiry because of this going on or, ah, I don't like that trade at all. Like I've saved my members yeah. a lot of money in tra bad trades that they were going to make and then help them make a lot for of sure. money in refining their good trades. So it's just an for insane sure. service and the students are getting better and better. And it's been awesome. There we go. All right, Chris Capri. Talk to you again next Monday. Have a good one. Good to see you. Be well. All right. We we got a hot, but we haven't done a uh, a crypto update today, have we, Aaron? I don't think we have. Let's do one right. All right, we, we got to go. Whoa, that's a weird view. We got to go because the Mooner boss is going live right now, but we got to look at the heat map first. It's red, not what you want to see. Bitcoin, ETH, Binance Coin, uh, uh, Ripple, Solana, Doge, Cardano, all in the red for the day. Everything except for Adam. My friend Adam, Adam Finance? No, that's something, that's something different. Uh, everything except for Adam in the red. Uh that's not what you want to see. So uh, this heat map, uh, this segment brought to you by Voyager. If you want some free Bitcoin, just open a Voyager account. And use the offer code Zing when you sign up. Fund your account with 100 bucks. Make a trade. They'll send you $50 in free Bitcoin. All right. That is a wrap on today's show. Moon or bust going live right now before we wrap Please remember that all the information from our show is meant to be used as informational as purposes. No, no, not. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers hands off my rewards tell them to oppose the durbin marshall credit card bill oh not investment advice, advice. Not investment advice if we could get a few more likes that would make my day a little better i mean i've i've been streaming all day come on guys drop me a like yeah we've Spencer's got just been marathon under 100 likes oh let's get to one at least get to my 100. last thing oh. that i noticed yeah oh I, wait Sorry, go ahead, and then I got one more thing. I was going to say, Netflix is kind of holding up compared to the queues. Interesting. Okay, final tally. I just ended the survey. <laughs> Do you own a printer? 64% yes. 33% no. You're in the minority, Spencer. I'm in the minority. Well, I guess I am, too. People own printers. All right. Why would I get one for my house when I have, like, five here I could use? That's the question of life right there. We're done. Moon or Bust is starting. Love I you guys. I hope. They're starting because we're ending. Redirect a set. Redirect a set. I'll catch you guys on At to Close in an hour and a half. Be good.